Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that likes stuffing, but hates getting stuffed. Uh, Chelsea Football Club, ruining Christmas since 1905. I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing that one adorning the, uh, the upper shed next year but uh dare the marketing people at Stamford bridge do that who knows anyway uh to be fair while many of us feared losing to arsenal in the pre-christmas fixture not many of us thought we'd see such a limp-wristed performance devoid of effort and tenacity it's actually on a, on a related point i know this is the intro and i was supposed to read it all out um obviously i saw saw mum and dad uh on uh on uh, christmas day and i think i must have spoken to them before that and then i I popped over to to pick up some food bizarrely yesterday, and do you know what they both said to me? The first thing, the first thing they said to me when I saw, they said, "You said Chelsea would lose to Arsenal, didn't you?" So there we go. And we were all thinking it, weren't we? We were all thinking it. But there you go. Anyway, perhaps Arteta lucked out by having to pick his kids, uh, who showed all the hunger, desire, energy, and persistence we expect from Chelsea. But was Frank right to dig the players out? Should he take some responsibility for one of the worst defeats under his tenure? Thankfully, with a technically weakened team, Chelsea showed him the right reaction with a Boxing Day draw against Villa. Villa are a very good side this season, so a point is no disgrace. But with what has gone on before, the disappointment for Chelsea supporters was palpable. And then there is Twitter. <laughs> Anyway, the Chelsea fancast, number 779, Zeros and Villains. Now, thank you, JK. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I do love it when he loves a good uh, intro. Anyway, uh, who have we got on the show tonight on this post-Christmas, pre-New Year's Eve show? I'm on it, it, Chid. You are definitely on it, JK. Scrabbling down your dinner. What what are you eating tonight? I had... um, uh, an, an omelette. An omelette. And some smoked salmon. And some smoked salmon. Yes, because it's protein. Protein time. That sounds quite posh to me, mate, I have to say. No, not, not posh. It's just, no, it was it was uh, post-training food. Been post-training food. Been cycling, been cycling. With your, with your dodgy personal uh, trainer? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, except he has told me, he, he sent me a... Um, he sent me an email with um, uh, Prince Philip and the Queen both tr- turning into lizards. <laughs> He's mad, mate. He's, He's mad. absolutely mad. He's, mad. He's completely mad. Yeah, no, no, no. Just on my own with the exercise bike. Sprint, sprint, sprint today. Well, good on you, mate. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I have to say, I'm, I'm so uh, impressed by uh, your ability and uh, stamina and your desire to Anna keep fit. Too completely vanity. Well, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. You still go off and do it. Now, uh, I've also got, of course, we haven't seen, it seems like we haven't seen Mark for ages. Uh, it's always such a delight to see Mark on the show. We, we we were all very lovely with each other, actually, around Christmas Eve, because we were all sending nice little messages to each other on WhatsApp. And Mark sent one that was saying how, how delighted he was to be included in the Chelsea Fancast family this year. And I said, well, Mark, you, you know, you, you, you're such a quality addition. We absolutely love having you on. And it's You've great. You've become an uncle, Mark. Well, you, you're so far in the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or the father we never knew. I don't know. It'd be this, that as well, yeah. <laughs> Thank I've you. discovered some long-lost relatives by being on the Fancast. <laughs> Mark, good to see you, mate. How are you? Did you have a good Christmas? I'm good. Yeah, I had a good Christmas. Hope hope you're okay. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Yeah, Um, yeah, I've just finished sausages, 
um, Brussels sprouts and some cauliflower cheese. Uh, Brussels sprouts cooked in honey. Oh, yeah. wow. So th- there's, a, there's, a, there's a different thing for you. Well, that sounds fantastic. Well, there we go. I, I, have, I have to tell you that, um, you know, I, well, me and Mrs. Chidge cooked um, an amazing coco van on Boxing Day. And uh, we were expecting to see some really, really good friends uh, yesterday, of course. You know, we'd invited them around for lunch. But, you know, I, I phoned them up and said, look, you know, given the circumstances at the moment, don't think it's a, a massively good idea, apart from the fact that it's actually illegal. <laughs> and the uh, the Boris Johnson stormtroopers would turn up armed with MK17s or whatever. And anyway, so they didn't come. So basically, I've had Coco Van for four days running. Has that been good? It's been marvellous, mate. Oh, lovely! Do you it, do it more often. Yeah, Not invite people over, put them off at the last minute. Oh, and well, you get yeah. the... I don't. I don't need much encouragement, J.K. You know what an antisocial old git I can be, but. Somebody attempted to have a street party on Christmas Day round with us, and we all wandered into the street, and a police car came and um, told us to get back in our houses. Yeah. Yeah. So we know it's Christmas Day. She said, I don't want to come round to every house individually and fine you. <gasps> okay. Yeah, it's serious oh, shit. God. It's yeah. serious shit. Anyway, we, we've got JK, we've got Mark, and of course, this man uh, above and beyond the call of duty. Now, originally, as you will know, if you saw my Twitter post a while ago, uh, we did have Dan Silver due on tonight's show, but uh, Dan forgot. What more can I say? He forgot. <laughs> But I still love him anyway. So anyway, I put a put a note out on the old Chelsea Fancast WhatsApp group to see if anybody wanted to step in at the last minute. And Tony, bless his heart, said, yeah, I'm up for that, Chidge. And Tony Glover is here. Now, apart from the fact that we're all delighted to see him and also very grateful, it's a very sweet thing to do at the last minute. But you have probably made Diane Jupp's uh, year, mate. I mean, every time I do an announcement on Twitter... <laughs> that uh, we're doing a show and who's on it and you're not on it she immediately yeah. replies where's tony where's tony he should be on the show so she's she's going to be absolutely delighted mate and and, and i'm glad to hear it because she's um she's a lovely lady i met her in the car and we she was one of these people that a bit like you chitch i could have just ended up chatting there for ages and then suddenly looked at the watch and gone oh blimey there's some football anyway let's carry on let's carry on that in um, no, it's good to be here. I, I, I like to think of myself as the kind of Tour Andre flow of the of the um, comes on cast, and scores you know. three. That's right. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I mean, he, there's a, a marked difference in that he's he was six foot four um, and extraordinarily thin, and I'm five foot four, so I'm I'm like a compressed version of him, you know. Um, but uh, you know, I'm here to do the job, and Good I'm man. really happy to do. Are we that, okay, Tony? Because you had a go at me on Twitter. Yeah, so. <laughs> really had a go. What did I have a go at you about? <laughs> you, 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 after I said, I said, I started, and I said how um, uh, disappointed I was in the ask. No, sorry, it was in the West Ham game. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed about it, and you. Said, oh yes, said, okay. it, it doesn't matter. You said we won three 0 I don't want to advertise it. You said, yeah, and I yeah. and I was bewildered because I thought, well, okay, but what am I? we've been getting on so well in the fan cast I thought you want to have a go at me on twitter just because you hadn't had a go yes i i thought i had to do a bit of a fire and forget from a yeah distance. okay fair enough and, i get it. do you know what i mean i don't know maybe we'll, we'll we'll talk about this later but um i mean twitter was just beyond shocking the, for the last two games and and you know you know and i know we've we've giggled about it 
collectively about the fact that I, you know, basically do my best to completely disengage and not get involved in any rows with anybody. You're, on you're absent, Chid. You always notice yeah. you are absent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. But, I know. Yeah. But I, 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 I got, I mean, I had a row with Louis, the lovely Louis Thompson, who, who, who writes blogs for us last night, told him to get a grip for fuck's sake. So it, and I think that's the point about Twitter. It is, it's infectious in a very bad way. And you get drawn, you can get drawn into things so, so easily. And I just think it, I think basically it's borderline fucking psychotic on there at the moment, but uh, we might, we might get in, get, I bet, and I'll tell you another thing. You know, and I just got fed up with it last night. And I think it's—I think a lot of this is down to boredom. Basically, I'm bored because I've got any work to do, uh, and then and there's nothing on telly I ever want to watch. So basically, I ended up going on the, the biggest blocking spree I've ever gone on last night. Now you might think, oh, well, yeah. yes, so everybody does that. Well, actually, I don't. I'm more of a muter than a blocker, and I—I—I I, I basically decided that's it. I'm just going to put ha- hashtag Lampard out in the search and Twitter. And then block everybody who's using it as a hashtag. Anyway, after about 80, no, it wasn't that many. It was about 40. I just got bored of that. So I stopped. Anyway, I looked at my who I've blocked. And this gives you an indication of just how awful the situation is at the moment with Twitter. The first people I ever blocked on Twitter were nearly all Liverpool fans who are amongst some of the most abusive reptiles I've ever had the, you know, just well i just you know i hope i never meet them in real life but they're all blocked then a smattering of united arsenal and spurs fans and then that's basically it you know i don't block chelsea fans so it's taken this for me to go over the edge and basically uniformly if you've got hashtag lampard out you can be fucking blocked mate anyway enough right on the show tonight no blocking from us on the show tonight i assure you so we if, will... if one of us was to say lampard out we we suddenly we disappear from the uh, from the zoom yeah, but I, I don't i don't oh what well, on here yeah well i i, I it, it can be arranged jk <laughs> no no i'm not suggesting i would i'm just intrigued if you by any chance you did it i've, I've muted kind of i've muted you on the fucking show before so it's oh, hardly hey I, I regularly muted i understand that <laughs> I understand that. And I will in a minute if you don't can it. I'm going to read the rest ah! of the in- I'm going to read the rest of the intro. Right, on the show tonight, we ask whether Frank got enough of a reaction out of the players in the draw against Villa. Uh Giroud doing what he does best and Christensen needing to channel his inner Chumba Wumba. I will explain what that means for the teenagers later. Now, in part 2, <laughs> we ask with Jorginho disappointing again, why does Billy Gilmore not get a go? And are there mitigating circumstances to some of Chelsea's recent performances? And does our lack of squad depth in terms of quality remain an issue? And why are some supporters just never happy? In part three, uh, we look back at a dreadful defeat to Arsenal where our best team started, but mentality was clearly an issue. Who should take responsibility, Frank or the players? Was it a masterstroke by Arteta or did he get lucky? And we ask, was this one of our... Uh, worst worse. defeats. Worse. Yes. Yeah. A weird uh, typo. Was this one of our worst wishful thinking? Clearly, J.K. And yeah. we ask, was this one of our worst defeats in years, or do some of us just have very short memories? And we wrap up in part four with, I mean, really, with some fantastic emails this week. Now, of course, as ever, uh, don't forget you can listen to the show uh, live every Monday at seven p.m. 
by going uh, to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea iPhone Fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And of course, you can tweet us at Chelsea Fancast, whether that be on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And if you're a Patreon member, you can message me on there anytime you like. So there you go. Now, talking of Mixler, uh, I'm glad to see we've got quite a lot of people in actually, considering you know they're all <clears throat> they're all kind of in Christmas mode and they probably thought we weren't doing a show or whatever so it's nice to see quite a lot of you in there wazo joyo i like to see you in there daryl the lovely daryl uh there's quite a few of the hardy chelsea fancast discord group in there it's good to see kurt vinnie's in there brian justman uh aussie simon broken leg planet earth is blue there's so many of you it's really good to see you and i hope you all had a good christmas now after this short break we will be back So there we go. Uh, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Um, later on, um, by the way, I've done some homework again because I'm bored. But I've I've done a whole analysis of every uh, Christmas period result Chelsea have had since 2010, which the boys will have had. Um, yeah, a, a copy of what, Mark? What? Uh, I've done the same tonight, Chid, because I'm you? doing my CFC Cave article, and I've gone back to 1972. Yeah. So you were more bored than me, clearly. Past. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? But we'll talk about that later. But before we do, let's talk about the Villa match, which was a 1-1 draw. Uh, and thank you, CFC 2510. I do sound like I need a sniff of the old Ober. So I don't know what's up with me. I'm just a bit throaty today. I quite often get throaty before a show. I think it's down to nerves. It's purely psychosomatic, I think. But I am feeling a bit throaty today, but I will live. So there, there we go. I will get through. Funny enough, weird tangent. I watched the Liam Gallagher documentary last night, which was absolutely brilliant, by the way. I really enjoyed it. And he I, he was doing some big show somewhere in the States, I think, or South America. And literally two songs into the show, he just said, that's it. I'm not doing it anymore because my voice is gone. I am not Liam Gallagher, mate. I will bugger <laughs> on through it. Don't you worry. Anyway. <clears throat> so first of all, Villa. Yeah, Chelsea Villa. 1-1 one, one draw. Um, first question, really, I think, given what he said after the Arsenal match, which we will talk about, but I shall, I shall, I shall ask Tony first. Do you think that Frank got the reaction that he was looking for after the Arsenal debacle? 50-50 um, on, on that one, um, because we did play better. I think, you know, with a bit more application, we would have won that game um, more more comfortably than getting a draw. Um, you know, when, when Villa scored, you just said, like, we're ready in your hands again. There's another sucker punch, you know, that that we've just taken. We're like um, the most naive of boxers that thinks they've got the, the, the fight in the bag and then decides to fucking showboat around a little bit. And um, I, I, I saw disappointing performances, but I wouldn't say they were down to a lack of effort. Um, I do suspect something else is going on uh, in the background, maybe. Um, Arsenal was a shit show, but let's face it, you know, um, 
we've had shit shows against Arsenal, well, notably in the FA Cup under Conte and, uh, oh yeah, in the FA Cup last year um, under Frank. Um, you know, I'm haunted by Arsenal. I'm haunted by the 70s and the fact that they were a double winning side and they had, they definitely, definitely had a huge Indian sign over us. Um, and I, I remember being at school in the 70s was mostly um, the half dozen or so Arsenal fans that I knew at school constantly gloating about the fact that we were like a seven stone weakling whilst they kicked sand in our face. So I'm, I'm, I'm always, always dubious about Arsenal, more so than probably any other team in the, in the, in the league. Um, but against Villa, I think our record against Villa isn't that good. Villa Park under Mourinho certainly was a, Never. an absolute desert, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure, it doesn't matter these days, obviously, with no fans around or anything like that. Um, all I will say is this. I think he did get a better reaction. I think his man management has shown to be uh, naive. Naive, OK. Th th these are the sort of periods when the top managers are going through their toughest phase, and this is when they have their biggest learning curve. It will have happened to Guardiola. It will have happened to Klopp. It would have happened to Alex Ferguson at times. Um, you know, he was on the verge of being sacked, wasn't he, at one point before he managed to turn it around at United. And I think there is a degree of that there, and I think he's learning on the job. And I think the strain is starting to show a little bit. Um, mm, all right. But from a player's perspective, it was a step back in the right direction. Yeah. Just not, I mean, not, I, not I think, enough depth. I think the point is, is that, you know, whichever. I mean, you know, we're we're gent. I mean, we're fairly honest on here. We don't, we don't, you know, coat people off for the sake of it. We don't necessarily throw our toys out of the pram. We tend to be quite reasoned and, and looked over a bit of perspective. But whether, whatever way you swing it, the Arsenal, but they were shit as a shit can be against Arsenal, and it was all down to attitude and mentality. So, you know, we will talk about this in in part three. I think when we look at the Arsenal game, I, I personally think Frank was right to dig out the players. I got no problem with that. They fucking deserved it. Yeah. Um. And I think from that perspective, Mark, I I think you know he did get the right reaction. I thought they were more at it uh, against Villa. Uh, Villa are a good side. Let's make no bones about it. And and I think they they really, I think they had a go. It was better. You know, it was you couldn't be any worse than they were against Arsenal. So definitely a reaction. Um, still a bit frustrating at times. You know, I agree with Tony. You know, you get one nil up, and then we just get done by a sucker punch—a really, really soft goal giveaway. You know, and I know you're going to talk about Chumbawamba later, but you know, <laughs> you're just screaming at the screen and Christensen's down. Like the game is still going on. Will you get up for fuck's sake? You yeah. Know, and and he's there. And obviously the game management. Then who's covering? When you observe what's going on and Christensen's down, who's stepping into his place? Appreciate it might have happened relatively quickly, but normally in playing football, if you're down to 10 men for that split second, someone steps back into defence. That didn't seem to happen. So it was just a, such a shitty goal to give away because I think at 1-0, I thought, you know what, I'll take that. It's better. We're playing better. We're not at the levels yet we could be at, but it was improvement. The signs were there. But there's still that thing we do still lack you know, that sense of leadership on the pitch. We don't yeah. have enough leaders. You know, when the going gets tough, you know, the people who sort of ball you out and say, come on, guys, we've, we've let the goal in. Let's go up the other end and get it back again. But, you know, on another day, that Chilwell shot could have gone in, you know. And then if we'd won 2-1, one, 
I think Twitter would still be shit. You know my feelings about Twitter. <laughs> too many idiots on there. But I think it'd be really different. We're the ones who won. Frank got the reaction. And I, I think, you know, the Man City game, you know, if he'd known beforehand, I know he would have made changes, but we're not likely to have a game now for a couple of weeks. It might have been a different side he might have started with. Yeah. So it might have been an even better reaction. Well said. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it, actually? Because I was listening to Talk Sport last night and, and I don't know who... I don't know who the journalist that they... I was I was in bed very late, actually, for various reasons, but I don't know who it was they had on as the journalist reporting on it. But I've never heard so much errant nonsense talked about a Chelsea game or Chelsea in my life. And he made it sound like Villa absolutely battered us and that... Did Amazon that we were we were rubbish and we did nothing right let me read you the stats okay he was basically saying that we created nothing we had no shots at all right the stats were we had five shots on goal seven shots off goal so five on target seven off target 16 goal attempts Villa had 10 goal attempts two shots on goal five shots off target uh and actually sorry and four we had four block shots they had three block shots so you know, we had the better of it in an attacking sense. And I think, JK, that that basically we're all pretty much in agreement here that the reaction was better. But I think I think if anything... I mean, I said it in the notes, which no doubt you, you've all read assiduously, but just before half-time, I thought, you know, we need another goal. You know, you always get that feeling with Chelsea that they need... They need, you know, they need one, two, three goals because they, they just don't seem to be able to close out a match. And then they are prone to that brain fart that we'll talk about in a minute. And and then they're up against it again. But the finishing still leaves a lot to be desired. Pulisic, Mount, Hudson-Odoi, Werner, Giroud, you know, all missed some good opportunities to score, really. Yeah. Beginning of that, you said JK, and then you just proceeded to talk for another three minutes. I'm giving you a long introduction. Yeah, well, clearly, but you just said everything I was about to say. Well, I, so I'm not you're still finishing I, your health, mate. Meal. I'm not a psych. I am a psychotherapist, but I'm not well, a fucking mind I, I, reader. You, you are. You're both. Well, no, but you then gave a lot of options, and you just go, <laughs> okay, yeah, but uh, well, oh, I can't speak. Oh, okay, I will now. Just say um, yes, then. Yeah. All right. Yes. Okay, Mark. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> <you bastard. laughs> now listen, 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 listen. listen. The major problem we've got at the moment is that none of the strikers can score other than Giroud. Well, well and Tammy. Said, of course, well, hang on, Tammy scored as well, but that was in the bizarre West Ham game. But they don't look as if they're going to score. Poor old Pulisic, bless him, is almost there. Almost. He, he keeps getting into excellent positions and then just not slotting it home. And then, you know, having some kind of mental breakdown, looks at the heavens and just, you know, disappears up his own backside. But he, he looks excellent. Um, meanwhile, poor old Giroud has scored a fantastic goal, and I completely love him for that kind of goal. But needs is it still wanders about a bit like a man in in large Wellington boots rather than boots, <laughs> you know. And and so he's not the answer. The answer is Werner. Werner is the answer. Werner should be scoring. What we want, what we want, J.K. J.K. What we want, what we want is Werner's original. original. We do. We oh. Burners are very clever, Chid. Very clever. <laughs> very good indeed. Very good. But, um, but possibly slightly, um, uh, some people won't get it. Shall I say it's worthers to those who don't get that reference? But anyway. That's but very good. sweet of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case. But very clever. Once again, sweet of you. He's on fire. He's, he's, on he's fire. absolutely tearing it up tonight. He's tearing it up. Tearing it up. Anyway, so 
this is the problem, is that the two great players we've bought <laughs> at huge expense, uh, Havertz and, and Werner, are supposed to be setting the league uh, alight. And Werner should be doing it because he's clearly, he's clearly good enough. And Havertz, bless him, was actually a lot better when he came mm. on. You know, good, I was pleased for him. But he, whether he's, you know, he's bought a dog, apparently. So perhaps he's, he's suffering from the fact he's a bit lonely because he's 21, for God's sake. He's trying to cope in a new country. But he's, he's, and he's had COVID. So lots of excuses. However, the reality is, is these two players, particularly the way they played at the beginning of the season, particularly Werner, should be scoring nonstop. The fact that the, the, the supposed great centre forward isn't doing it means that, and Zayek, poor chap, has got dodgy hamstrings, as has Pulisic means that the the we're light up front. Uh, Pulisic should have scored twice early on. The whole game would have been absolutely different. That one when he got through and hit the side netting, how on earth did he miss it? For God's sake, Pulisic of last year would have just lashed it into the corner. Anyway, so my fear is, is it doesn't really matter how well we play. I thought we played really well against Villa. Yeah. I thought this, I thought Amazon and this git you were talking about are talking absolute bollocks, but it, suits them yes to talk villa up you know at the end of the game they had bloody what's his name the, the manager i can't remember his bloody name um um smith dane smith yeah yeah they had him him standing next to lasso and townsend as if he'd somehow come along and raided and what a great team they were and poor old frank was just sitting in front of you know the usual standing in front of the usual background with all the adverts on it talking very quickly was that a long chat with how brilliant villa were what a great team they are they're not. They weren't really very good. We were better than them. We were much better than them. The reason it just ended up the way it did was we didn't bloody score, except for Giroud's great goal, which is a typical Giroud goal, and I love him for that. But that that, that was it's, it's ridiculous. It also suits the agenda to have Chelsea, you know, possibly on the verge of sacking the manager. It suits them all. It's, it's not going to happen because we're in the middle of a starting pandemic. However, it didn't help that we were absolutely shit against Arsenal. It really didn't help. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's, let's... But if I get, I'm not going to get onto that now. Let's, I'm just let's clench our arse cheeks for I, a second. I did, I did. I wasn't going to talk about it. I said, I'm finished talking about, about this yet. One of the other problems we've got is Kante isn't up to it yet. He keeps fouling all the time. The Kante we love and know and love gets the ball and doesn't foul. He's just slightly off it. It's really essential. Keeps giving away free kicks at the end of the area. This also contributes to the Arsenal, the Arsenal game. To play Dave, I mean, I, I love him. We love him to pieces. The first thing he did when he was put through in a fantastic position was hit the ball against the fullback from the wing. He cannot cross. For God's sake, well, Dave, I'm, uh, make an I, effort to do it. What's the matter with you? I know you're. I know you're. I know you're. You're fully loaded, which is a love, a joy to see. And I know that our listeners absolutely love you and love it, uh, love you for it and love it. But I've finished, Chid. No, I know, but you are thing. you are segueing into something I wanted to talk about. No, all right, we'll talk about. It. I'll get off it quickly then. Well, Maxwell, the manager, the manager, the referee was absolutely fucking awful. Oh, yeah. yeah. Awful. And that contributed as well to the game. 15-3 was the fouls ratio. Yeah. 16-3. Every time, every time Graylish gets the ball, he bends, but he looks for the foul. Well, I said he goes every, down quicker than a tart's knickers. Every year. But it, it, it's, it's what I hate so much about these refs is that you would think they were absolute. They're so naive. You'd think they'd never ref before and seen the obviousness of this, even in my pathetic attempts to be yeah. a referee, class three referee, you know when people are fouling, they don't look at the ball. 
they, they, they just, they look at the player. They look backwards. They start falling before it even happens. Yeah. How could he have been so conned by Grealish, who is obviously an excellent player, but cheats all the time? Oh, God. I think there's and, a and, you know, and JT just, story yeah. about who's the referee who had throat cancer. I can't remember his name now. How old is he? Yeah. John Terry told the story. I can't remember where I heard it. That um, if if any of the players went down like Grealish did, Halsey would walk over to them and say, "Get up, you cheating little <laughs> c-word." Well, and he'd be, and he'd be right to do so. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, but I he mean... was conned. He was conned. This referee, and you just think, and also, he, if you look at him, I would please look at him next time. He never near enough to the action. Never. No, I know. So the All actual right. the foul itself, you know, that led to the goal. Which and they all everybody said on on Amazon as well said oh no he's left his leg hanging no he no didn't. he didn't anyway enough time out time out time out you you <clears throat> you, you kind of invoked uh, Dave and and others and it, this is the other thing I wanted to talk about really um, you know because I mean this is the interesting thing I, I I don't know what it is with supporters now but everybody seems to have completely left any sort of perspective out of the window you know. We we made huge amounts of, of changes for this game. I mean, who was playing that wouldn't normally play? Aspie, Rudiger, Christensen, um, and arguably Giroud and Hudson-Odoi. So he's made quite a lot of changes there. Now, I have to say, pre-kickoff, I, I would have had either Zuma or or Tamori in for, for Christensen, because I, I just do not rate Christensen at all. No. And I and I might have played Emerson for Chilwell, because I know that Chilwell's carrying a bit of an injury. And I would absolutely certainly have picked Gilmore for Jorginho. But other than that, I could understand what Frank was doing, because there was either he was making a great big massive point and putting a lot of people on the naughty step, or he's trying to manage... Uh, a squad through a huge amount of ridiculous number of games. Remember, we'd played Arsenal 48 hours before. Now, okay, I know everybody's in the same boat, but I don't care about them. I'm talking about Chelsea. He's having to manage this squad, and he's going to have to rotate. But so, I, I mean, basically, I think fair play. But I, I, you know, I really, I really, I mean, I can't, I can't try. I'm trying to make my mind up, really, Mark. Whether it was naughty step or necessity, I think that's what I'm really saying, Mark. I think combination of managers. Uh, I, I think there's an element the need to rotate the squads with a number of fixtures before the Man City game is called off. Um, so actually resting a couple of people. There is a bit about getting reaction from the squad, and there's also injuries as well. You know, Aspel quite had to play because I don't think Reese James should have oh. played in the Arsenal game. No. Yeah. I don't think Chilwell, although you know he, he coped for the 90 minutes, is necessarily 100% fit. So I could have understood if. James and Chilwell hadn't played in that game. Jorginho struggled with that selection. The only logic I could see for Frank playing Jorginho was a bit like the West Ham game for me. And all, all the pressure those idiots place upon him is the first thing he wants to make sure when he's playing at home is he sets out not to lose the game. Then his substitution during the course of the game change it to try and go and win the game. So the only right. logic I could see for Jorginho being there from the start was just to make sure we don't concede early yeah. on, we don't go in behind. But I would not start with Jorginho, you know, especially you know how he's played this season on the back of that shocking penalty miss. Um, I'd probably even start with Havertz. You know, Havertz was good when he came on. He's slowly yeah. sort of, you know showing signs he showed at the start of the season. 
Um, Billy Gilmore, yeah. I think his time's going to come. You know, this time last year, you know, Frank wasn't playing in much. And then as we moved into the new year, Billy Gilmore played much more often. So I still think Billy Gilmore have a, a lot of football to play in, in the second half of the season. Mark, exactly what does Jorginho, Jorginho contribute? I'm trying to look and see what the positives were through playing him. I, I can't see any anymore. Totally agree, J.K. I think I think I think he he has an ability to slow slow to the the best person ever I've ever seen play for Chelsea who had the ability to put his foot on the ball to calm the game down was Balak. Now it might have been because he was a great big German bastard who wouldn't take any shit from anybody, right? Which Jorginho isn't. I I I see a bit of that in Jorginho. It may be unintentional, but there are times when you want that kind of experienced calm head he may just not be good enough to do it in the way that Balak would, would would be able to do it so that that's what I see look you know I, I Chidge knows my thoughts on this there's one player we should go and get who would have took a red card oh, to Declan stop Rice winner absolutely and would have covered yeah. Christensen last night yeah Declan yeah. Rice I mean, so look, the best attitude of any player off the Premier League this season. Just so I let you know, uh, I'm going to shove Christensen and Chumbawamba into part two because we've kind of got into, you know, why does Billy Gilmore not get a start? And I, I Well, look, I mean, I know we need to put the caveat on there that we're not at the training ground. We don't see them train, all the rest of it. We don't know really the extent of his recovery or not from that, what was quite a nasty injury, I believe. But I cannot understand how, I mean... That having been said, I can't understand why he didn't get a start ahead of Jorginho. I mean, Jorginho, I mean, he's not quick enough. I mean, there were so many times last night where, where Villa players just went past him as if he wasn't there. He can't tackle. He slows the game down and doesn't get it going forwards quickly enough, which is what we need with the kind of players that we've got up front. And even his bloody penalties are a liability. I mean, I do know, Mark, that he does quite... I mean, this is, t- you know, tactically, this is quite a a good thing, you know, that he'll quite often fill in and become like a, a third centre-back. Well, that's tactically great, but you kind of need to be able to fucking tackle if you're going to do that, so I don't know. Billy uh, Gilmore, I, much I better think, choice for me. Gilmore, I think Frank is protecting Gilmore. Yeah, maybe you're right. I'm coming back from injury, and again, you know, he did come on really well just before we broke for lockdown first time around, his performances in the Everton and the Liverpool game. But I think it was a Bayern Munich game he struggled in. So I think Frank is protecting him. And I think he's just going for Jorginho for his experience at the moment. Um, for the life of me, I don't know why, because um, he's, not, he's not having a good season. But I, I, I do agree. Like I think I said on here before, you know, when we were struggling in that Crystal Palace game like last season, where that mad last 10 minutes, that was a brilliant substitution bringing on Jorginho because he just slowed the game down completely. Yeah. And that won us the game. Yeah. Yeah, so he'd be he'd be good for bringing off the bench if we need to hold on to a victory and slow the game down. Starting with him at the present moment in time, I don't don't see it. You know, I go with Havertz, but I think you know the time is going to come very short for Billy Gill. I wonder whether he was just trying to have a go at Kovacic because he played so badly in the Arsenal game, and he just thought, well, I'll put you know I'll put your rival on, as it were. But I thought that was uh, strange. It, 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 it might be. I mean, Kovacic, I think he's. Gives us far, far more than than Jorginho. I think I agree with Mark that Jorginho. That if if you want a wise, experienced, crusty old head to come off the bench, that's the sort of player you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. We and we've we, we've had some good ones like that in the past. Um, I think Billy Gilmore is, is going to have a great fit. At the moment, I think he's, he's one issue. He's a bit too slight. I think he's pushed off the ball a little too easily. Um, 
Uh, I think if he had the, if he had the kind of, uh, he's Scottish, isn't he? So if he had the bite that someone like Charlie Cook had, um, might, that slightness might not matter so much. But you know, I, I, I do, I do think that coaches might have been taught a lesson. There were words after the, um, um, the Arsenal game, weren't there? And that, that may be what it is. Look, you know, I think any any coach, Guardiola, Klopp, anybody's going to. They're going to need to be a, a complete bastard in the in the in the changing room. They're going to have to at some point, and the players, some of them aren't going to like it. And that's where you earn your managerial chops. Mm, absolutely right, by, Tony. You know, putting put, putting players in their place, seeing how they react to it. Um, yeah, I like Kovacic a lot. I think he adds a lot more. You know, I, I still think, and I, you know, I've maintained it all the way through this season. There is one big player in that midfield, or, or the, the 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 central, the, the the back two lines that we're missing. Um, I think we should just bust the bank to go and get. Totally agree with all of that, Tony. Uh, there is more to come uh, because, I, I, as I said, I've shoved the old Chumbawumba incident into part two and I will reveal. <laughs> I got it. This lot all know I what I'm it. talking about. Some of you out there will also know what I'm talking about, but I do appreciate that not everybody will. Uh, anyway. Uh, bef- Prescott got it as well at the time. He did indeed. Now, uh, before we disappear, uh, just to quickly tell you, uh, why you should go out and buy, or more to the point these days, subscribe to CFC UK, the world's leading Chelsea fanzine. Uh, and there's no denying it. Anyway, there's another one that's due out. I know this. Why? Why? Because I've just written an article for DJ, as no doubt Mark has as well. Uh, and that will be out hopefully with you very, very soon. Now, you can't get it at the match anymore because we're not at the match, but you still can get it if you want to get it digitally. You can go to cfcuk.net and subscribe online, or you can buy it uh, by a proper proper old-fashioned copy for £2, including first-class postal delivery. Uh, and to do that, you need to go to cfcuk at gate17.co.uk. I commend it to you, and we will be back to talk more about the Villa game after this break. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast of me, Stanford Chidge. Him down there looking. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Actually, you, 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 you tweeting somebody, J.K. No, I'm looking up more notes to uh, to throw into the. Uh, okay. The hey, that's, isn't that a kind of research? Yeah, that's, that's tantamount to cheating. That is, isn't it? Yeah, but it, it's not. It's not to do with the show. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to see you, J.K. Yeah. And you're on cracking forward tonight, uh, Mark. Mister Mark Meehan, lovely to see you too. Good evening, everybody. And uh, the the third uh, guest uh, on the show, of course, is the right honourable Tony Glover. Bonsoir, as they say in Bonnet de Douche. Mange to uh, France. That's, that'll do. That'll do. Right. Okay. On with the on with the stuff tonight. Um, we uh, we haven't had the chance really. I mean, Mark alluded to it a little bit a minute ago, but uh, the goal we conceded, uh, particularly you know having scored a really cracking goal. I mean, I, I have to say, you know, if you if you're going to play Oli Giroud up front, 
and he's making you know every time he plays bless his heart he makes a very strong case to say that we should do then you have to play a certain way and that is to deliver very 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 good balls into the box and i thought chilwell delivered an absolute stonker and uh Oli Giroud, i think is one of the best forwards in the world at, at getting onto those near post headers it was absolutely brilliant um, so, you know, what we want to do after that, I think, of course, is score another goal, as I said in part one. But what we certainly didn't want to do uh, very early on in the second half was to concede a brain fart, stupid goal. Um, and, uh, you know, Jacques Hughes, uh, Andreas Christensen, because it, you know, it didn't look much of a challenge, I have to say. And Grealish got up quickly when he realised the ref wasn't going to give a foul. And and Christensen's lay down there like his bloody leg was broken. Now, I'm not happy about that from my centre half. I'll be very very honest with you. However, um, whilst of course that freed up the space which uh, uh, El Ghazi eventually capitalised on, there was a whole litany of other poor defending as well. J.K. I think, Kante jogging back. Uh, Aspi, as we we know, was left with two to mark and was worried about Grealish, understandably so. Yeah, Yeah, but you can understand why he went for Grealish. Grealish is a huge threat. He's a great player. You know, but it was, I think it was, it was, you know, once, once uh, Christian, you know, I think you can absolutely point the finger at him for staying down. Uh, But I think it was a collective brain fart, really. Poor goal to concede. And also including the referee and and, and the, the constant thing that Amazon kept doing of um, of saying, oh, look, he left his leg out, just showing the one angle. Even Clattenburg came in and went, oh, no, no, well, he's like, oh, you, you left his leg out, didn't he? And, uh, and you just go, uh, no, look at it from the other angle. He didn't. He just got kicked. I mean, it just goes to show the, the attitude. I'm sorry, I'll go on about it. Well, I can't stand it. His attitude was that every single time he got the ball, Grealish was being fouled. And he, he just he played on. In his view, Christensen had kicked him because because despite having kicked Christensen, he fell over Grealish, didn't he? Saw that he got away with it and immediately got up and ran. But he'd done the kicking. And and the, the view from the other side, you could see that he'd kicked him. So obviously it was a foul. But yes, he should have at least made some attempt, shouldn't he, Christensen, rather than just... I mean, this is a regular thing, though, isn't it? We have seen him lying in the penalty area or lying down rather a lot. That seems to be his his default position is when he gets fouled. He doesn't do the kind of JT thing of just, you know, standing up and having a go regardless on one leg. We, we, the, you always use, use JT as, a, as a, an obvious um He's like example. the Black Prince, isn't he, from example the Holy of, Grail? Yeah, of the, yeah, of the, uh, the of indeed, the, the, the desire not to be out of position and not to give a goal away. JT would have limped back in agony. And just got in line and got in the way and done something at least, or even you know obstructed somebody legally. But yeah, I put it. Yeah, it 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 was. You're absolutely right, Chidge. The the consequence of the um, of the going of the joining of the two, the going the, the being the foul was was something out of last year's defensive book for me. And I have to say, if Silver had been there, that wouldn't have happened. Silver would just have dealt with it. But um, JK, I, I think it. I think it's. You know, beholden on us to to explain that because the modern game now, I mean, it's it's increasingly harder and harder and harder to break teams down and score goals. Teams are so well organised now that what it 
what it does require, it requires something like that or a, a bit of fantastic skill to create the space that you need to exploit it. So, you know, the initial space was created by by Christensen going down and that that's what helped Villa unlock our defence. That's what it takes these days. You you need something like that, or as I said, a piece of brilliant skill, skill where you can play between the lines or an individual beats a player because teams are so organised now. It's why it's so hard to break them down. And I, I think there was a, a you know an element of unfortunateness about it, but I, I'll stand by my my Chumbawamba reference, Mark. You know, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You know, that's that's what it should be be about, mate. I, I agree. Just such a soft goal, to, you know, to concede. You know, whether you're John Terry, you know, whether you're Ricky Cavallio, John Dempsey, David Webb, Ron Harris, they would never, ever have conceded a goal like that. You know, you know, as you said, they, they would have limped back. They would have put their body in the way. You know, it wasn't that hard a tackle. You know, even though there was a connection between the two, but he went down so badly. So you know, he, he's just too fragile a centre half for me. Yeah. Um, so you know. I think it'll be a while before we see him back in the side again. Also, Mark, I don't quite get why he was so play. far forwards. I don't quite get why he was there tackling tackling Grealish anyway. Was no, he... I agree. I think he got dragged out. I think he got yeah. dragged out. Okay. You know, you know, you should have left it to the midfield to deal with. You know, he, he, he came out too far, then leaves a gap behind him. So if you're going to go out that far, you've got to get the bloody ball. You've got to get it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and there's a bit of shithousery also when you play for If you don't get the ball, you get the man. Yeah. Yeah. And if you go into it, you go, you go through, and you get that ball. You know, otherwise felt. you've left a gap behind you, and that's that's what happened. Yeah. Yes, people should have covered, but that was just a soft goal giveaway. Yeah, yeah, definitely right, and it didn't half help. I mean, I don't want everybody to think we're all being miserable as sin and 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 uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, soiling our depends, Tony. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been miserable. No, no, I, 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 thought, I, I thought we should have. Been I wasn't talking about you. Yes, you said all. You said well, all of you apart from J.K. I mean, the reality is, I'm I'm quite, the, you know, some <laughs> this, this sometimes, you know, as I said, I think Villa are a good side actually, and I think that they proved it last night. Uh, we are stink. Well, we've been stinking the place out actually for quite a few matches. Uh, that will have an effect on on confidence. I mean, remember, this is still a relatively you know young side. Uh, there are those that are not used to the Premier League, um, and they're human, you know, and it happens. So sometimes you, you, you know, you you need you need to stop the rot, yeah. and and I felt last night they 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 put it in, they played for Frank, you know, they had the right level of commitment that you need. Okay, the quality in the final third wasn't there, and there was a brain fart for the goal, but you know they stopped the rot. I think somebody, uh, the lovely, I mean, we all call him Mr. X, don't we, uh, Mark? You know who I'm talking about. But he he, he, he had a lovely way of putting it. Because he, he's actually a very positive guy, uh, Brian. I love him to pieces. Um, and he said, unbeaten in one, the run begins. And, I mean, in a sense, oh, like yeah, it's a good point, isn't it? You know. Uh, but I, I think what I really wanted to get into now was I think that I think sometimes we all need to take a step back. I think it's very hard for us because we we get dragged into the detail and the minutiae and the moment so readily. Of course we do. We're all massively passionate about about Chelsea and how they do. But I really do think sometimes you need to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. And, and there is a lot of mitigation here, which I think is very hard for us to comprehend, not least because we're not there. 
And I think that makes a huge difference. But this season, for me, is a very, very different season. You've got the whole COVID thing going on. Um, you know, we're, we're reading in the news, aren't we, that, that there are so many of the players now that are getting affected with it. I mean, Havertz got it apparently very, very badly. It's a real thing. The players are all playing behind closed doors. These, I mean, we all love our We all, all four of us, actually, we all love our music massively. We love going to live gigs, the whole works. Uh, Jonathan, bless him, bless his heart, is a performer. I mean, he knows better than all of us. I can tell you now, performing in front of nobody, if you are an entertainer and a performer, is soul-destroying. This is what these players are having to do every week. They don't have us there. That I, I don't know what the impact of that is mentally, but I would imagine it's not massively good. Uh, I've already told you about a number of new players that we've got. We've actually brought in a lot of new players into the team. That obviously takes a, quite a long time to gel normally. A lot of them are adapting to the league, even if they are good players. Um, you know, this this will have an effect. I think the whole the whole evidence of this, if you want to broaden it out, is seen throughout a lot of the teams. We're getting results that we just wouldn't expect. Um, look at the table. You know, there's literally uh, 10 points separating... Less, it's actually now oh, nine points. Nine separating the, the top 10 teams. Yeah. I mean, that is just balmy considering what we've normally had. So top 11 teams. Uh, you, I, 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 exactly, Tony. It, it's, uh, can anybody here remember that in a season? No, I never can't. Ever. I can't. Never, never, ever. It used to be like that in the... Um, in 1954. The, well, I was going to say in the 80s, actually, J.K. I mean, it, you know, the, it, basically the leagues used to be a lot more competitive, 60s, 70s, 80s. <laughs> So I that's what we discovered, Chid, when we've done some of the uh, looking back. Yeah, we discovered that you know Chelsea will win, lose four or five, and yet they're still uh, still in the mix. Yeah, mm. well, I, nobody, I, nobody running away with it particularly. We're you know? we're three points off second place. Uh, we're only six points off top. Last season, Liverpool won the title pretty much by now, so it's very very different. Um, our old mate, do you remember? Do you remember Greg Grimes, J.K.? Uh, rings a bell. Yeah, you? used to be our producer when we were on telly doing this. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. lovely bloke, Greg. Yes, yes. I mean, liked I, it very much. I'm, yes. I'm not going to read his whole tweet out because, but it was a brilliant. It was basically encapsulating everything that I'm saying in t- terms of perspective and mitigation. But one thing that really caught my eye that he said was that this season, everybody you know that we've bought, you know, Chelsea's squad, Chelsea's best team, basically, everybody's been fit for just two matches. Krasnodar away and Leeds at home. And the record since Ziyech uh, first started to his injury is eight wins, one draw, no losses. With him in the team, we know how we want to play. So, you know, like a lot of other teams, I grant you, but I think we also have to factor in the fact that we've had a lot of injury problems this season and Frank's very rarely been able to either play the way he wants to play or play the team he wants to play as well, JK. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> right. I also agree. <laughs> but it's hard to it's hard to find anything wrong in that, isn't it though? Because and it goes back to what I said earlier on. This you're a young manager, you're in your second season at a huge club that you were an absolute legend for, right? You took a job that you may never have been offered again. He said that quite publicly. You know, he was offered the job and he took it because he didn't think 
he couldn't see what in 10 years time whether we'd ever be offered it so it was too good an opportunity to, to turn down so he's learning you know these players they, they feed off the crowd the manager feeds off the crowd okay the part of the hustle and bustle of the game from the you know pre-match to the post-match to the interviews in the open zones and all this all this sort of stuff is basically over isn't it Right, so they've had to resort to social media, so they're probably more exposed to some of the fucking bile and vitriol that's going on on that. Okay, you've got COVID, which I don't care if you're a 22 year old athlete. Okay, there's enough 22 year old athletes out there who've suffered long COVID and have had basic careers or whatever ruined through it. Okay, so that's got to be a worry. Okay, you're in a new league in a new country, you're Kai Havertz, you've had to go and buy a dog because the player care may not be quite what you was expected. Or the player care may have had to be scaled back because of COVID. Who knows what's going on? This stuff is all there. And I just look at this and think, this isn't just us. Liverpool drew against West Brom, a team they would probably nine <laughs> times out of ten with that squad wipe the floor with. Yes. Right? But you're up against wily old Sam Allardyce on his first game or whatever, and they get a one-all draw. And I just think you've got to look at this stuff and say, nine points, nine points between the top 11 teams after the Christmas period or midway through the Christmas period is is a, is either a staggering anomaly or as a result of everything that's going on. So it's never... You remember the old Brucey show, Points Make Prizes, yeah? And you'll know this, Chidge, in your, in your current role. It's I really you were going to ever, say because I am Bruce or something. Yes, but it's really... Well, no, I can't see because you know your beard's too... You, you, I can't see your beard. No, you ain't got a pointy chin. <laughs> But what I'm saying is, is if you take, for example, the, the, the everyday example of somebody who's on the verge of a breakdown or on the verge of a bout of depression, it's never one thing, okay? It's never one catastrophic event that causes it. It will be a number of different things, all of which pile different pressures on until something gives. And what you've got a young player, all the clubs, this is at the Chelsea, we covered this a little bit on the podding shed last week, the rather marvellous podding shed. Um, good, was it a goodie? It was a very good one. Good. But we did kind of cover this whole impact of COVID on the game. You know, you've said it yourself. We're not there. They're playing behind closed doors. Look, let's, let's be honest. We're not going there this season, right? None of us will see the inside of that ground this season with the way things are going now, especially the worst of it. I can actually foresee a two to three week break being enforced on the Premier League and the other football leagues because of the sudden up tick in cases okay now that didn't do us bad last season did it because we came back for project restart and that kind of we pushed on a little bit from that so maybe that's what we need i think the pressures are they're different they are all professionals frank's a professional they would all be used to the pressures of the crowd and the hustle bustle everything about the game a great big chunk of that's gone like as as and i'm sorry i'm rambling here a bit but as chid said you you are in a play, JK. You are in um, whatever one it was you said you were in earlier, right? Um, Winter's by, Tale. Sorry? Winter's Tale. Winter's Tale by that bloke from, from, from the Aston area. Yeah, <laughs> right. And you, you're there for your first night and you go out and no one's there. Don't tell me, even the professional, you, that inside your heart isn't sinking a little bit. Yeah? And your, your whole... 
thing is a bit well oh, oh. I'd, I'd refuse to go on i've done that you know <laughs> yeah. yeah but so did you, you, know, did you I, say did you say i'm sorry it's just not, not working, working for not me, working for me. I, I didn't need to say that it was pretty obvious <laughs> so I'm, all i'm saying is is that with a with a passion you know the whole shit that's going on on twitter at the moment is there's a lot of self-entitled pricks on there who, who, who think we are have a divine right to win everything was all of us pre 2004 pre Roman fans know that we don't. Okay. And are therefore prepared to be a bit more patient to see it out. And to actually sit with these people, these idiots and say, the fucking season isn't over yet. So wind your fucking neck in and carry on watching. Have a bit of patience. But speaking of this, the season, Tony, I mean, I, I, I reckon that it's Everton disappeared for a bit, didn't they? Then they came back in. Yeah. Again. Then with same with Leicester. And yeah. I reckon that all, all we need to do is then win three, and then we'll be up yeah. up in the uh, amongst the top again because nobody's running away with it. I mean, so uh, it's 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 such a weird season, and it's so ridiculous to to. Uh, I think I think the dilemma we've got with the club is that the the Arsenal game was such a a terrible performance. Yeah. That's that's sort of that's made him. I don't know. Vulnerable isn't the word. It's made people more critical of him. Just because of that, and when we talk about that in a minute, I'll um I'll give you some reasons as to why. Uh, Do you think that's put um, a shot across their bows? Well, let's talk about that in a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm I'm more my... giving us the finger. Uh, a, a that, that's the finger. No, no, no. That's the uh, finger. A finger. That, that... A finger. That's sorry, a thumb. I'm all I'm finger and thumbs, J.K. <laughs> no, I just wanted to get Mark in actually because he's been waiting sorry, very, Mark. very patiently, sorry, and I know he wanted to make a point. So sorry, Mark. I missed the point. I think it's remarkable. Well, actually, we've even got football to watch, yeah. you know, bearing in mind sort of like where the pandemic is at this present moment in time. And I think the likelihood, you know, Tony's absolutely right. I think in the next couple of weeks, if it continues as it is, you know, we could go back into a lockdown as we were back in March where there's no football and the season gets suspended. So people should appreciate what, what they've got. And, you know, I thought one of the interesting things, like Mark Warren put it up last night about uh, blue as the colour being played, a bit of a question mark. And I thought, do you know what? There's probably something in blue is the colour being played last night, you know, because there's that line in blue is the colour that cheer us on through the, you know, the sun and rain. Is actually that's your part of being a football supporter. Yes, it can be frustrating watching your, your team. You know, that goes with the territory. There'll be good days, there'll be bad, bad days, and you know, we, we've had a few off days of lately. But you get behind the team, you get behind the manager, you get behind the players. But real, yeah, realize, you know, and, and recognize there's a bloody pandemic out there. And that's going to have an impact. You know, if you are a professional footballer, some of these guys, other than the Leeds and Krasnodar game, haven't played in front of any fans. You know, and a game like the other night, you know, you know players like Werner, players like Havertz, the crowd would be so behind them. You look at how Torres was. Yeah. Yeah. And Torres struggled when he came to Chelsea. But the fans never got on his back. You know, they continued, you know, and when he got his first goal for Chelsea, you know, the noise that, ground made that evening when he got his first goal for Chelsea you know that's what being a supporter is all about you know Absolutely. Um, you know you know Tony's right we are not going to see any football this season you know we'll be passengers we'll be watching it from home but the very least we can do you know is actually sort of like wish our team the best and hope they succeed rather than sort of chucking in the vitriol and actually following that bandwagon that are some sort of media out there wanting our manager to fail you know, yeah, actually, I really hope, you know, in the second half of the season, not only does he succeed, he ends up with a trophy and sticks two things up to exactly, yeah. He's still learning his job. He's only in his second proper season as Chelsea manager. And I always go for the Tommy Doherty theory. 
you come in your first year, you know, you look around, you inherit what you got, you bring your own players in the second year, and you reap the rewards in the third year. Next year Excellent. should be the year when Frank Lampard really succeeds as a manager. But Mark, yeah. you're so right about the, the the fans' approval is something that the players love so much, uh, and and to be loved by the crowd, which you know Pulisic, for example, would get such such love. They haven't had the opportunity. Joe, they haven't had the opportunity. Yeah. Absolutely agree with you. The, the 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 buoyancy that that creates is absolutely fabulous, and it's been it's been completely missed. I mean, especially away. I have to say, I think there's nothing. There's I I, I love it when a a player performs well away and the the, the small group of fans give him an absolute cheer you can see that them them crinkling with joy at the fact they're being singled out and so it it affects their performance it's like as you were saying with if i perform in front of somebody i'm doing something i've written that's a comedy and people laugh at it i perform better can't help it you just go wow that's just so good they're approving of that you know it's great it's so the the fact that we're missing that is a really major yeah. uh, that's um, a major blip for us. Spot on, all of you. Absolutely spot on. I mean, there's a curse. She's just kind of made me want to leap into this. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you read it, but I've read it back and it's actually really very acerbic of me and perhaps using my psychotherapy or psychoanalytical schools in a more kind of Radovan Karadzic maddened manner than a more empathetic and kind manner. Um, but I just think, you know, some people are never bloody happy. Um, and I want to try and conflate this with my latest uh, CFC UK article, which I'm going to read a bit of because it just seems to be so pertinent to what you're all saying. Uh, it's unashamedly hashtag Lampard in is the title of my article. Uh, and there's a reason for that, largely because of all the monstrous lunacy I saw on Twitter. Let me just read you a couple of paragraphs which might resonate. And I basically said, I'm not going to preach about whether we should be Lampard in or Lampard out. Again, it would be hypocritical. That refers to a lot of points I made earlier. But I'm solidly 100% four square Lampard in, while acknowledging that no one in no one individual is bigger than the club. Players, managers and owners come and go. The only two constants are the supporters and the fact that in football you will both win and lose matches. Frank Lampard's career at Chelsea will one day come to an end. They all do but I would prefer to celebrate it while it lasts. For me, it's all about a connection, something I suspect is clearly lacking in much of the 240-character vomiting I see on Twitter. Yes, I like to see Chelsea win matches, trophies and titles, and do so playing great attacking football with world-class players. However, I understand that this is not a given or a right. It is a privilege when it happens, and it is by no means a certainty that it will. Therefore, there has to be something more substantive to, to sustain it. And yes, again, for me, that is a connection. And when that connection is to Chelsea, it's about what it means to support the club, the people you know, the culture, the mentality, the history and the shared experiences. When you have a manager like Lampard, you get a manager who understands that. He lived it as a player with us for over 10 years, and he was instrumental in creating some of that history and that bond. If I see Chelsea win a trophy or a title with Frank Lampard, it will mean much more to me than seeing Chelsea win one with any hired gun elite manager such as Conte, Sarri, Hiddink, Ancelotti or even Mourinho. Don't get me wrong, they were all great, but with Frank, for me, it will mean more. While the others were only here to do a job, there is the belief that Frank is also doing it out of love for the club and us, the supporters. It's all about that connection again. Ultimately, it's why we hated Rafa and Sarri and why we loved Robbie Di Matteo winning the Champions League and the FA Cup. Chelsea supporters can sniff out a phony mercenary in it for themselves and personal advancement from a mile away. Blah, blah, blah. I could go on, but I won't. You get the general uh, gist of it. 
and I think that's the point, isn't it? I mean, you know, yeah, I know we're all old, and I know we've all seen it before, but I would, I'm much more, I'm much more prepared to give somebody like Frank a go and a chance to to achieve something really special because it will mean more maybe only to us i don't know but it will mean more and to conflate that with my other point you know i i think far too many supporters and this is this is got nothing to do with location or or age i think this is universal but i think far too many football support and this is sad actually but far too many football supporters invest far too much of their self-esteem in the success of their bloody football club. You know, they think if Chelsea win, it makes them a better person. It makes them better than everybody else. Uh, and, you, I mean, I can't... I mean, it worries me that so many people's happiness is dependent on the success of their football club. And to me, it points to a real deficit in their self-esteem. You know, you need you need to believe... You need to have more belief and faith in yourself and your own sense of happiness than to pin it on the you know nefarious i mean fucking football clubs let you down man that's what they do uh, each I mean, one of us can bear witness and testament to that having supported them for over 40 years to to, to 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 rest everything on that is madness yeah it's completely aligned with you know and it's slightly off topic but it's completely aligned with society today that has lost or a certain generation or a certain group have lost any ability to compromise, to discuss, to work out nuance, to have a drink with somebody whose team have just beaten them in the pub afterwards. <laughs> Let's go back to the first night we ever sat in that Tommy Tucker. We'd yeah, been beaten yeah. by three, three nil, me and you, and we were there with Walter Ott and God knows Johnny T and all them. Right. Well, we were in there, what, two, three hours, something like that. I can't remember now. We were a good drink, right? Okay. Uh, and we'd all, we, we'd all, agreed that we were lucky to get nil. City were that good that day, right? If a couple of City fans had come in that pub, there and then, what do you think we would have done? We would have sat there and we would have probably gone, well done. Well done. Thoroughly deserved, right? Because it's about being adult or whatever. But we live in a society now that is so divided on so many lines and it's just continuing. It's divided over, you know, eight, there's an age division, there's a north-south divide, there's a remain-leave divide, there's all these things going over. And you're right, people invest way too much in being on the winning side than they do in actually thinking, okay, how would I feel if I was them? Or is there a compromise? Or can we look at the positives of the fact that we've just lost or whatever, you know? Um, and I think I think there's a whole... I mean, you could write a... I might even do it, write a thesis on it, um, on why we're like that now. Because I don't remember football in the 70s and 80s. You had a hooliganism problem, but it really wasn't down to... Well, actually, Tony, that's a good point. I think in those days, we could let our frustrations out by kicking the shit out of the opposition fans. Well, we, we could do, but the, <laughs> the fact is, I, I drink with, with Spurs fans, Arsenal fans, West Ham fans, Liverpool fans. Yeah, the football is a secondary thing when we're in the pub determining who the next round belongs to. We 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 played who was that bloke that the Leicester fans never liked in charge of them? Only a couple of years ago. Pearson? No. Ranieri? No, it was that was after Ranieri. After Ranieri. Ooh. And Oh uh, Pus, Pu, uh Pu, Claude Puel. That's it, Claude Puel. And he I met one of them in the cock. And we had a, he said to me, I'm gonna chat away. 
And I said, I think we, you know, a draw. I think they they beat us one 0 that day. I think or whatever, right? Okay. And he said to me, if we win today, I'll buy you a drink in there afterwards. And he did. And he did. And he went in there. <laughs> he, fair enough, I wasn't playing any colours, but we had a chat about it. Okay, all right, mate. I said, I had a funny feeling about it, whatever. And he bought me a drink, right? And I just think that's that's the bit of football I like. Yeah, mortal enemies for ninety minutes. Forget it afterwards because life's too fucking short for that sort of shit. And and I just think we've got into this position. And, and social media, you know as well as I do, Cheech, there is no context. There's no nuance in it. Yeah. People are very unwilling to debate, use evidence or whatever. And in the end, they just go on blocking sprees. <laughs> what, like me last <laughs> <Sorry>. night? <laughs> That's the first time I've ever done it, to be fair. Yeah, I know. I, you know, I'm really taking the piss. It's very funny, though. I just think we have... It's, it, your, your point about football stands, but I think it's as, as much about that kind of thing as the societal divisions, the, the press and the media, and everyone's building up. We just seem to be heading down that route as a... As a country, as a species, I don't know. But it's Mark, you're, very... you're itching to come in, Mark. I can no, tell. I'd, I'd agree with Tony. And even, even like you know, you know, on on Twitter, I always sort of steer out of it when we lose. I just, you know, my views on Twitter. There's only three things you'd be on Twitter for: Chelsea, football, and beer. Everything else is just you know, irrelevant at the end of the day. But yeah, even the Lampard in last night were as bad as the Lampards out. Because, you know, it's like you, you can have a rational discussion, as you say, you know, Twitter replaces the pub. You can could, you could make that argument. And you can have that rational discussion whether you're pro-Lampard or, you know, whether you're daft enough to be Lampard out. But even some of the Lampard in, it just gets so toxic and nasty, you know, to people and just say, like, you're a fucking idiot. But, you know, yeah. you know people aren't even allowed to have an opinion. Even some people trying to rationalise, you know, whilst I don't agree with them, you know, they entirely have their opinion why they think Lampard out. And just the toxic stuff on there. And you thought you wouldn't be, if you were two guys in a pub, you would not behave like that. You would have a, a rationed argument right. between two grown up human beings, you know, with two different points of view. You know, Tony's absolutely right. There's just these demarcation lines, you know, be it politics, you know, be whatever, whatever it is now, you know, even being about, you know, the coronavirus, there are lines being drawn and it is just so toxic. You know, life is too short, people. You know, you know, just for people to spend this time endlessly arguing on social media, it just is just so irrelevant in my view. Well, just just to kind of finish it up, I, I just think it's, you know, as I said, if it, it, people need to address their own inadequacies and deficiencies in their own self-esteem, because if they if they misplace it in in their football team, then they're in for a life of disappointment, blame, bile, and bitterness. And I mean, frankly. You know, if you if you expect your team to win six nil every week playing playing like nineteen seventy Brazil, then you clearly are deluded and I worry very much about you. So there we go. Anyway, on that positive note, um uh yeah, well, actually this is probably a good good time to plug the Chelsea Supporters Trust, actually. Maybe you get some therapy by doing that. But it, in all in all seriousness, it's it's a very good institution to, to join because actually that's the point. It's about supporters and it's about what really matters, which is a lot more than what goes on in the pitch. It's it's certainly, you know, very much I think at the moment the future of the game in terms of being a supporter is very much at stake, but it's not being there and what the clubs may do as a result. Uh, so if you want to, you know, have a bit of strength through uh, through unity, in a sense, um, you know, the more more members that we have, the stronger of our voice is. And it's five quid to, to be a voting member, which means you can t- attend meetings and vote, obviously. 
uh, but you can also be an, a, a non-voting member, which is free. And to join up, you need to go to ChelseaSupporterStrust.com uh, and you can follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. And of course, Mark's about to remind me that we are having another sleep out, aren't we, Mark? We are indeed. But also, I was going to say, they send you a very nice badge, those nice people at the Chelsea Supporters They do, Trust, and it's a very, very nice badge. It's a very, very nice badge. Um, yeah, just, just a reminder, uh, and we'll go for a really big plug on this in the new year. Um, the second Stamford Bridge sleep out will be taking place at the end of March on, on the free Saturday. Uh, but it'll be uh, a sleep out with a twist this year. It's a virtual sleep out. So whether you are at home um, or wherever you are in the world, you can use your kitchen, you can use your garden, you can use your garage, you can use your shed, not that one, um, and raise money for a good cause, which is our neighbours, uh, the Oswald Stoll Foundation, next to Stamford Bridge, who do a marvellous job housing former ex-servicemen and women. There we go. Well done, Mark. Right, we're uh, going to have a quick break. When we come back, I'm afraid we do have to discuss the Arsenal match. It would be rude of us not to. Uh, and in doing so, we will talk about the mentality and uh, the responsibility for performances like that uh, and uh, debunk the myth about it being one of the worst performances in years. We will see you very soon. Der einzige Markt für das, was jetzt und in der Zukunft wertvoll ist. Die neuesten Sneakers, Kleidung, Elektronik, Sammlerstücke und vieles mehr. Alles hundertprozentig geprüft und authentisch. Mit StockX hast du Zugang zu Millionen von Produkten, die ausverkauft oder schwer zu finden sind. Und alle für den Preis, den sie wirklich wert sind. Denn wir alle sollten das kriegen, was wir gerne haben möchten. StockX – Zugang zu aktuellen Trends. Finde, was du brauchst auf StockX.com. Jetzt bei KFC. 34 Tage, 34 Angebote. Sicher dir jetzt legendäre Rabatte zu EM. Nur in der App und auf KFC.de. KFC. Legendär lecker. Real Fans, Real Opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Uh, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. We're into part three. I am, of course, the host with the most, Mr. Stamford Chidge, uh, or the uh, Archbishop uh, of Podcasting. Uh, that, that Tony calls me the Archbishop. He, of course, is the. Right Reverend, and uh, oh, yeah. the Right Reverend Tony Glover is with me, as is the delightful Mark Meehan, who's... Good evening. Now, are you, are you Mark Meehan, Tony, all of a sudden? No, I'm not. Sorry, I'll just, just shut Delayed reaction. Right. Delayed reaction. Uh, Mark, uh, who's... Good evening from Mark Meehan as well. <laughs> there we go. Well, your Mark's credentials as a Chelsea supporter are absolutely... Talking, keeping with the political theme, unimpeachable. Uh, he's written so many books, uh, was involved in the Chelsea Independent... And so many. So there we go. So we're, we're, we're blessed with some wonderful people. And of course, last but by no means least, the hinge to my bracket, the cannon to my ball, the Morecambe to my wise, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. The little to your large. The little to your large. I, I was trying to avoid that, JK. Yeah, yeah. But... Can I have a name? If, if you're what you, the Archbishop and Tony's the Reverend, can I be somebody? Can yes. I be, um, can I be the urchin? No. In, in Dad's army, right? Um, <laughs> The verger. The verger. You can be the verger. Because you're always... What's Mark? What's Mark? Mark must have a name. Oh, dear. 
I'll be uh, the vicar. <laughs> the vicar. He does look a bit like the vicar. You could be the verger because you're always verging on insanity. So that would make sense to me. What, Mark? No, you, you wally. Well, I thought you were talking about Mark. I thought no, that's my Mark. Mark no, went, Mark no. went why am I being described as that? No, no. He, he knew I was talking about you. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about football, believe it or not. Uh, we're clearly I've got we're, a gherkin. I've got, got a gherkin. Yeah, we're doing everything we can to avoid talking about the Arsenal I've got match. A gherkin, everybody. I've got a gherkin. Very low. It's a very. It's quite a big one, JK. He's put half of it in his mouth. That looks disgusting. Right. I'm, thankfully, I can obscure your picture with my script. Uh, right. We do have to talk about the Arsenal match. I know it, it seems pointless, but let's... Uh, no pun intended, but we, we're going to. I mean, the reality is, uh, JK, is that... Actually, every single one of us, I think, would have said, well, that was the, our best team that started that. So it must have been the mentality. I, I thought it was really interesting what Frank said. I'm going to read you what Frank said, which you might want to comment on. Um, something, I'm not going to do a... I'm, we, we, must, we must cultivate a Frank Lampard accent, but uh, I'm not going to right now. Anyway, some things in football are basics, not tactics or systems. It's whether you want to run, whether you want to back your teammate whether you want to sprint or just jog and think maybe you don't have to run. We took that decision rather than the right one. <coughs> I can't disagree with anything he said there, mate. But how did they end up like that? I how don't know. How on earth did that happen? You could tell something was amiss from the very beginning. Yeah. Because they started so yeah. slowly. Well, Arsenal nearly scored, didn't they? Indeed. But what I find I find this so so annoying about this Chelsea side is you... I don't know if you can do that with every team. If a team comes on and just doesn't look at the races from the very beginning, you really hope the manager can get them to do something or somehow somebody on the pitch can get them to do something. You all know when you're playing dreadfully. You know it. And in Chelsea's instance, every single time they pass the ball quickly and well, particularly, you know, if if Mount's involved with Chilwell and, and Pulisic and it goes bam, 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 you know we're on to something. And there was a small period of the Arsenal game after we'd started so badly where we started coming back into it. But then it was so painfully obvious that we had exactly the same problem we had in the cup final, that we couldn't deal with the sodding flanks. And James, bless his cotton socks, was just wasn't there. He wasn't up to well, it. Well, he wasn't fit, mate. No, he clearly wasn't. So what on earth did he do playing, for God's sake? So, of course, they give a penalty away and their heads went down. You could just see it. You thought, oh, God, no, don't now. This was just, it was so unwise that, you know, his challenge. Even well, though Jim, what, talking, on the was, flank, talking, on the, talking on the flanks, JK, it's a really good point, by the way. But I thought Match of the Day had a really good analysis of that. And actually, they pointed the finger very squarely at Werner and Pulisic for not tracking back at all. Yes, Werner yes. got particularly fingered oh, for that. Hey, but that's part of it. But once again, we know we go into the into Werner world. world. Werner world, we go into. Werner Vo. Werner world. Werner Vo. The world of Werner. Let's be let's be honest. Um, he, he's he's not putting in a he's not putting in much of a show, is he? He's not. That's not the expression I want. He's not putting in a um a shift. He's not doing it. And there's some. As I keep saying, I said. You know, I got told off by Clayton for saying he was sulking. Uh, you know, on a couple of occasions, he can't be bothered. And if that isn't sulking, I don't know what is. He and and in this game in particular, that he just whether he just isn't part of it, whether he feels he just needs to be the focal point. I was trying to work out what he did at Leipzig. I've got a German friend 
and uh, I phoned him and said, what's happening? He said, Werner, my favourite player, he said, despite, in fact, he comes from uh, Notting Hill Gate, so he doesn't really speak that way. But, um, <laughs> but it, it suited the story Okay, if better. he comes from Notting Hill Gate and he's German, can you give me a Notting Hill well, not and German. German accent? No, no, he's not, though. He's not German. He's, he's just a, he's a Brit over there. But he, he occasionally, he likes to speak like that. He says, no, Werner is the best player in the hall of the, of the German league when he played for Leipzig, he said. Leipzig? And, um, Literally, I don't know whether we called it. What, fuck it, I don't know. Um, but um, no, he was disappointed. But the main thing he said was the team. The team's based around him, and you then suddenly go, well, perhaps that's one of the problems with Werner. Perhaps his ego can't take it. Perhaps I, I don't know. Anyway, um, the I, I felt then. Then, of course, Kante did exactly what I've been saying. He does is he's not he's not quite on top of it. He gives fouls away. He was more foul more, away. He was more cunty than Kante, really. Yeah, I said it? cunty then, didn't I? I didn't mean to. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I felt that way in my head about him. <laughs> that is <laughs> the definition kicked... of a Freudian slip, mate. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? He gave the free kick away on the edge of the area. And I'm sorry, um, Mendy isn't quite up to it either at the moment. There's something that just isn't working for them in the same way it didn't work for me all those years ago. Um, uh, and, um, and that was 2-0. And then they got the fluky goal. And then we have the madness of... You know, Tammy scoring an excellent goal off his stomach, and then we get the the. And you think there's the possibility that Arsenal are actually not very good at all, and we might score three goals in three minutes, and we have the opportunity to score the second, and our skipping idiot comes forward and misses the penalty, which had me standing up and abusing the television screen, which is something I don't do very often. I normally sit there in a kind of accepting. Um, state when we're playing badly in this instance i'm afraid the air was blue with uh with fuckery but um uh yeah he's um it was a dreadful penalty oh my goodness wasn't me. it and, and then and actually it's actually not good enough it in this elite sport that we're attempting that they're attempting to play it isn't good enough he no. shouldn't have taken the penalty somebody else should have done Knowing he's not doing well. The trouble is he scored in the Krasnodar, didn't he? That was the last one he took. He scored, yeah, but, so I presume there's no one else. But that was I, dreadful. Well, it's just all fucking show pony. It doesn't. I, yeah, it's yeah. great when it works, but it's it's beyond bet, shit when that, it doesn't. That, that, Broke that United player Bruno Fernandes is going to get found out sooner or later because he does another stupid little fucking bit of football dressage before he kicks the ball. You know, <laughs> what does. we need is someone to ring up or, or, or someone should be out there practicing. Eden Hazard, I gather, never used to look at the ball when he took a penalty, didn't need to. He'd be looking at where the keeper was positioning himself, boom slot, boom slot. And he boom. hardly ever missed, actually, Hazard. That's yeah, very exactly. Well, I think he only missed one. I think yeah, Frank only missed yeah. one or two like that because they just knew. What their job was, and it wasn't about fannying around. No, it wasn't. Pretending they're wearing a fucking tutu, doing pirouettes, trying to look at a fucking how they how, look at me. How good I am at penalties. Talking about talking, talking about mentality. Mark Mark made a brilliant point earlier on, actually, um, which occurred to me as well. Mark, actually, you know, great minds and all of, all of that, but. I just kind of, you know, I, I think there, I think there is a mentality issue, and it, you know, this is this is not a Frank Lampard issue. This has been kicking around at Chelsea for a long time, and actually, when I say a long time, I really mean, you know, since the departures of the likes of Drogba, Lampard, Ashley Cole, Petr Cech, John Terry, real bona fide leaders, and I think, 
you know, we are such a different club now, aren't we, Mark, than we were in those days. They helped us to propel us to where we are now. And I think you get a lot of players that come to Chelsea now going, oh, look at me, I'm now at this massive elite club. Isn't this great? I must be brilliant. I must be fantastic. And I think sometimes they go into a match and they wander around believing their own hype and liking the smell of their own farts. And I think the point that you made is that we need a horrible bastard or two in there who, when the going gets tough, will kick the opposition and, when that doesn't work, kick some of his own players to get them to sort it out. Yeah, as I said, you know, we need more leaders in the dressing room. And even going back to where you started from, that was the perfect team on Saturday. I don't think anyone could have objected to that side, that 11, when it was posted up with the sort of players we had available. Uh, also, in terms of man management, after that, you know, scraped through, but it was a win no less against West Ham by 3-0, is Frank given some time off for Christmas. So good preparations, spent some time out with the families. So, you know, there was no Mourinho-esque dragging them in sort of like, you know, for extra training, extra drills, etc. So he treated them like grown-ups and they really let him down they from, really did. from the get-go. Yeah. A real, real shocking performance against, as you said, a really average Arsenal side. They, they weren't that good. They got lucky because I think Arteta had to play the kids. And, you know, they well, I think that, well. That, that wasn't a masterstroke because I think he had to do it because William and Louise. Yeah. Weren't, weren't, yeah. weren't fit, were they? And they did to us what we did to Leeds. You know, we ran an extra six kilometres, you know, against Leeds. And Arsenal just, you know, ran us into submission. We didn't match them. And, you know, that's where your leaders come in. You know, you, you roll your sleeves up, you get stuck in. And I think, you know, if we'd got the, that penalty by a proper penalty taker who is not show pony in, if you're going to do that penalty, you've got to score every time. Yes. Else you look an idiot. You know, so if we'd had that penalty scored... Yeah, and got it back to 3-2. I still think there was every chance in that remaining five minutes we would have pulled it back. Yeah, they, they were weak. It would have been undeserved, Mark. Yeah, I bet we, it was, you know, if you look at West Brom, you know, we didn't deserve anything at West Brom, but we still pulled the draw out of it. And it just comes back to the leaders on the pitch. There's not enough of, of them at the moment. Yeah, you, we would have never rolled over like that with sort of JT and Cavalier and Drogba and Balak in the side. They just wouldn't have let that happen. Yeah, you look when we went to a sort of place like Blackburn Rovers, like horrible place. You know, they kicked Robin all over the park. But yeah, we ended up winning that game 1-0 because the, the side rolled up their sleeves and got stuck into those northern bastards. Yeah. And that's what you sometimes have to do. You know, it was just such an, you know, annoying because it was them. It was Arsenal. You know, I worked with Arsenal fans years ago. You know, they, it's a bit like, you know, Tony's the ones he had at school. You know, they are just so annoying and they just gloat so much when, when, when they win. But, yeah, there is a mentality in that dressing room. And I think Chilwell said it afterwards as well. Because he said that when they were on that unbeaten run, they didn't think they were going to get beaten. They were in that good spell of form and it can act in reverse. Yeah, when you're in a rut, you know, you need your leaders to get you out of that rut. Otherwise, you know, you can get seat deeper and deeper into that rut. And I think the Arsenal was probably sort of the lowest, hopefully, you know, we will go now because it was just really a really poor performance, but it was not the worst ever Chelsea's performance. We'll get on to that in a minute because that's a really good point. But uh, I think before that, um, I, you know, I think I think the, the, the underlying point, Tony, is, you know, you, you well, you, you and I would know this, uh, you know, uh, JK would never know what this, what this means because JK is all about talent. People like Tony myself have to have to work really hard 
You know, because hard work is important, if not more important than talent, I think, because talent on its own is not enough. And I think this is perhaps the greatest challenge that any manager, let alone Frank, has, Tony, is to drum this into his very talented players, arguably the most talented bunch we've potentially seen at the club. But they've got to bloody work hard. Yeah, they have. And, and you know, you, the, the, the paradigm of working hard was Frank Lampard as a player, wasn't he? Yes. He's renowned for it. He'd be the one out, last one out of training, first one into training. He'd be there taking his free kicks and practicing the way and all that. And he's got to get that across to him. Now, that, I mean, there has been some talk with, you know, is, is Jody a good enough number two? Or is he just kind of nodding at Frank and saying, thanks very much for the job and I'll keep an eye on the youngsters? There, there, there may be something in that, that maybe what he would have benefited from was uh, an older, more grizzled, not necessarily successful head, but someone to bounce ideas off who might have an alternative view. Um, they are a talent. But, you know, I, I, I mentioned it Only at the Wally. beginning. Of... Ernie Sorry. Wally. Sorry. Ernie <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. What about, um, what's his name? Hank Van Carte or whatever his oh, yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, Hank. yeah. No, I, I mean, there are there are probably some good people out there where he could, you know, draw from that. I'm not trying to slag Jody Morris. I think he was very, very good as the youth coach. I'm not sure that he's the right level of number two, he's, whether he's got the right gravitas. My, my bigger point is, is I, I mentioned it at the beginning of the fan cast, okay? This is where managers learn their trade. It's where they, where they pick up their acting chops, I believe the phrase is used in the on the stage and that this is where they pick up their managerial chops because you, you look, if, if you're successful from the day you're born to the day you die, you never learn fuck all, right? You need the kicks up the arse. You need the tough times. You need to know what bad feels like. So you can really fucking motivate and appreciate for the good. Yeah. And I'll quote you one. Well, I won't quote you. I'll paraphrase, but Gary Neville was part of that Manchester United squad that had to applaud our players onto the pitch at Stamford Bridge, right? And he said, in, in that subsequent interview, he hated every fucking minute of it. Every second burned him. He said, and when he got back to the, the, he said, this doesn't happen again. You you lot need to know that how shit that feeling was, where you're almost vomiting because you're having to do this sort of thing, and that motivated them that was he could use that as a motivate he was the, just the captain i guess but you know I, I think that's where frank i mean frank always slightly suffered as a player as a mr nice guy i i think he's got a bit more steel than we're giving him credit for but managers are different these days as well you know you're not going to see an alex Ferguson again because that sort of managerial uh uh kind of um unilateral dictatorship won't work anymore i just think but Frank is learning, no doubt about it. I think he would benefit from an additional person on the coaching team. I don't have any ideas who that could be. And I wouldn't want it to be someone who could step in as an interim. So no thanks, Mr. Hiddink. But you get my drift. I'd yeah. like to see Frank lose his temper. I think spot. he did. He did. At half time with them, from what so I hear. On the, on the pitch, on the sidelines. I really would like to see that. He's very, very internalizes a lot of things. And I really would like to see him actually going, you know, what is going on here and trying to trying to ramp them up in some way. 
or even Jody do that as well. I agree. Jody seems to have disappeared a bit. They used to have a, a 70 minute conflab every time, didn't they, to discuss what was going on. And that doesn't appear to be happening at all now. Mm. Um, but no, he got very angry. No, he did. But I, I just felt at the time just somehow to uh, um, to show his displeasure because uh, perhaps the players would react to that. But perhaps that's not in his nature to do that. He just he seems to get his body language gets very tight well, and he gets very tight lipped and his bald patch gets a bit bigger. Well, we can only be who we are. You know, I mean, I just saw CFC Sport, who's always in the mix room, bless him. But he was saying he needs to be more like Klopp. Well, I, I couldn't disagree more. He can only be like Frank Lampard. You know, maybe he can get his teeth whitened a bit more and grin like a fucking Cheshire cat. I don't know. But <laughs> the bottom line is he can only be who he is. And that's who he is. But I, I, I from what I understand is that he tore them off a strip in the uh, in the dressing room at half-time. And so he should, because, you know, about the whole responsibility thing, there was a big hoo-ha, wasn't there, about, well, I don't know about, like, you know, digging out the players and all that. I mean, he's the one that should take responsibility. He's the gaffer. Well, yeah, and I'm sure he does. I think he was well in his, well within his rights to, to, to have a pop. You know, they, they deserved it. And I'm sure Frank does take responsibility. He's not an idiot. He understands that he's the manager, and ultimately the buck stops with him. Um, but again, he didn't. I mean, it's it's not like Mourinho who singles out players. No, exactly. To name exactly. Them, right. So a manager should be able to go on telly, and he should be able to dig a collective of players out if they've underperformed. All the great fucking Alex Ferguson did it all the time. He'd defend his players to the hill. Mourinho used to do it before he de- he descended into this. I will name this player as not doing good enough. I'll show Delhi Ali up or whatever. You know, they, they, if they don't, because if he comes on like a grinning idiot and does that, well, I thought all the players did really, really well because he's talking to fucking BBC or whatever, then the fucking Twitter idiots and the morons would be even more over him. And the press would be saying, he's in cloud fucking cuckoo land. So he's damned if he does and damned yeah. if he doesn't. I was be, authentic, be authentic. Well, I'd rather he was authentic. Yeah. I'm sick and tired of these media-trained monkeys they put out who just sit there and say things like, you know, you scored four goals today. And that's like, great. It's just for the three points for the team, really. That's all I really care about because it really doesn't matter if I score four goals. Fuck off. Come out. <laughs> put your fucking bear your chest to say, I'm that fucking good. I could have got another couple. Do that. And I wish managers do that. That's why I was like Mick McCarthy. Mick McCarthy would come out and say we were bloody did, lucky. Did you to see get that? Ill. Did you see that Mick McCarthy dub with the uh, with the to, to some acid house music? It was one of the funniest things I've ever. Did anybody see? <laughs> did you see that? It was just genius. Anyway, yeah. gonna, you get my drift. Right? I do. So we, I, I think that there are Tony be himself and and Tony. And, and there are people who are yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who get your drift, mate. I can tell okay. you, and we loved it, Mark. The Scott Parker one to the streets as well is absolutely <laughs> yes, yes. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some very clever, funny people out there. Sadly, none of them are on the show every week, and I blame myself for that. I take, see, I take responsibility. You know, not that's... working for me, Chid. No, no, I, me neither. Let's go home. Oh, wait, we are home. <laughs> Shit. Uh. <laughs> Listen, um, something that really made me laugh. Actually, there's no other way to put it, but, um. You know, dear old Nick Villaney, it's not often I, I, I give them a direct shout out, but I, I was, I don't know why, I was kind of attracted to Twitter with some kind of morbid fascination, really. But Nick Nick said this, he said, as bad as this has been, and it's the worst, and this is the thing I've underlined in the notes, and it's the worst performance in years, 
uh, a Tiago header and a competent penalty level this match. I mean, on, fa- on face value, there's nothing wrong with that. But I have to say, Nick, love you as I do, I do take issue with it's the worst performance in years. Um, uh, I've just listed a few here, uh, and this is under Frank's reign. Uh, a 3-0 defeat to Sheffield United, uh, pretty insipid. Uh, 2-0 defeat to Southampton last year, a 1-0 defeat to Bournemouth last year, who got relegated. Uh, that's like, you know, only just a year ago. Um, Sarri's Chelsea somehow contrived to lose to Arsenal 2-0, Bournemouth 4-0, and Man City 6-0 in the space of a couple of weeks. <laughs> Conte lost 3-0 to Arsenal, 4-1 away to Watford. I mean, you know, we get these every year, don't we, Mark? I mean, it's ridiculous. We do, and the thing is, the point we're making earlier as well. I think there is a difference in playing in front of an empty stadium, you know, and losing three-one to Arsenal, than you know a full house at Wembley and FA Cup final and losing to Arsenal. I was more pissed off losing an FA Cup final, you know, to Arsenal at Wembley. Which one, Frank's or Conte's? Conte's, yeah, definitely Conte's. Double that year. That was a real kick in the teeth for me because you're in the stadium. Yeah, there is something, you know. As bad as Saturday was, and it was bad, you know, if we had had 3,000 fans in that stadium, I think it would have been different. Uh, and I think the state Arsenal were in prior to we played them, how toxic their fan base are. They're a lot worse than ours. You know, if we'd gone sort of 20 minutes against Arsenal, hadn't conceded a goal in the run they're in, their fans would have been on their back. It may have been a completely different game if people were in that stadium. But games last season where there were fans in the stadium, we were shocking in that. I know it was only 1-0. Losing at Bournemouth at home was dreadful last year. You know, Tony mentioned earlier, I remember that Leicester game, you know, when we lost 1-0 and Sarri was manager. You know, Vardy scored a winning goal. That was another dreadful home game where you get back to the pub and think, that was shit. Yeah. yeah. They and, happen you know, with unfailing regularity, Mark. You know? They happen. They've been happening since the dawn of time. Well, you know, we've, we will not play... 38 or 42 games in a season and play like 1970s Brazil every single week. There'll be days where we stink the place out. Well, That's football. Yeah. You, you, I know you, I mean, I can't remember if we were on air when we were talking about this or before, because I, I was like bragging about my analysis I've done of our Christmas fixtures going back to 2010. And then you, you, ch- you chimed in with, yeah, but Chidge, Chidge, you know, mm. it's all about hard work as well as talent. I've gone back to 1972 and done mine. Uh, but I'm, I've highlighted a few from recent history. I just mentioned the Southampton 2 0, and you mentioned the Leicester 1 0. That was in 2018. Uh, we lost to Spurs 2 0 uh, in 2016. Uh, we lost to Spurs 5 3 in 2014. Everybody remembers that one, I'm sure. QPR at home 1 0. That was just, I think that was, I would have put. I would have put a contract out on Benitez had I had the money after that one. Uh, we lost to Villa 3-1 at home uh, in 2011. And in 2010, under dear old Carlo Ancelotti, we lost to Arsenal 3-1 again uh, and Wolves uh, 1-0. Uh, so Christmas fixtures do throw up, JK, um, some misery. <laughs> like I said at the beginning, Chelsea Football Club ruining Christmas since 1905. I... I find it very difficult to to assess any of these as worst performances. As you know, I've been disappointed since I was eight. So <laughs> back to the dawn of time, then. Yeah, nineteen oh five. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, exactly. I just don't have any. None of it has any credit. I mean, um, uh, um, Nick. By the way, I had a slight spat with. Oh, fight, 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 fight. Yeah, because he suggested that. Um, um, 
Loftus Cheek was ready to be returned to the team. Return, in, return to the factory for a reset, more like. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And I, I said, possibly, can we let him finish at Fulham first and then assess at the end of the season? And he said, I meant that. I meant that. He got back slightly uh, annoyed with me, but. Um, um, he was trying extolling his praises, and I just said, "Well, he won't get in. I don't know what, why would you bring him back? He's not playing very well for Fulham. He'll but, be sold, uh, mate. You watch my words. He will. He will be sold. Absolutely right. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so I, I, you know, I, um, the playing absolutely appallingly is uh, is has been a regular occurrence uh, practically every season since I've been watching them. Them having played very well. And one always searches for reasons and one always comes up with a blank. You just they didn't turn up for whatever reason. I think possibly in the, the 70s, it was because they were all hung over and had been shagging the <laughs> night before. It was, it was an obvious way of pointing the finger at it. But uh, but um, subsequently, uh, I'm not quite sure why this would be this would be happening. Uh, but it was it was you can't explain it. But I. I, I but, but when I talk about Lampard not doing anything, I, I, I'm, I'm bemused as to why when they start off so dreadfully, which seems to be a, um, an indicator that they're not going to play the whole game well, I don't get why he's not on the sideline bollocking them. Because he doesn't seem to do that. And it's, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, anywhere near Lampard out. I just don't get his lack of emotion in those instances. Because um, uh, I'm trying to think of... Uh, the number of times that we, I think the last time we played Arsenal at the Emirates, they did exactly the same thing. They just started really, really quickly against us. And they surely must have a way of dealing with teams that start quickly against them. Whether they then become themselves, they get in their faces. That's what other teams do. Whether they try and start quickly. You don't succumb. You don't sit back and go, oh, they're, they're, oh, they're all over us. What can we do? I find that that's leadership, JK, isn't it? Indeed, I find that aspect of this team and having a horrible bass at all three. Yeah, slightly, slightly um, uh, alarming, actually. About oh, there this. you go, Mark. You were uh, wanted to come in. Yeah, just a few things, and this is even when we had horrible bastards or threes. Um, when we were doing the fifty years of Chelsea, I just felt so guilty. So many times, I'd I'd drag things out from the past, remind JK things he'd long <laughs> since forgotten. But here's, here's some for you. 1973-4, Christmas 73-4, two 0 up at home to West Ham. We end up losing the game four two. Yeah, Alan Hudson carries the can for that. You know, we lose to Liverpool a couple of days later. You know, and Alan Hudson never plays for Chelsea again. He leaves Osgood soon after. Following year, over Christmas, we lose three 0 at home. A cupy bloody R. You know, you know. Uh, go forward a couple more years. Eddie McCready, Eddie McCready, other than beating Fulham in '76, had two bad Christmases. You know, we lost to Luton four 0 in '76. We lost to Charlton and Orient the year before. Jeff Hurst. His wheels came off at Christmas. I don't think he won another game. No. Or <laughs> score a goal. Three <laughs> goals in 22 games. Three goals in 22 games yeah, after exactly. that. So it, all started, it all started in, in December. It's like advent calendars and mince pies. For many years, you guarantee that Chelsea would go off the rails. 1986, John Ollins. We lost three games in December. 4-0 at Wimbledon. 3-0 at Liverpool. 2-0 at Tottenham. They didn't beat us again at home for about 30 years after that game. We were bottom of the league at Christmas in 1986-87. We were bottom of the league when Glenn Hoddle was manager at Christmas. Then we beat, beat, beat Newcastle. Even when Bobby Campbell was manager, here's your Christmas run. For those of you who think this is the worst Christmas you've ever had, 
Wimbledon 5-2, QPR 4-2, Liverpool 5-2. Two of those games are at home. Happy Christmas 1989 from Chelsea Football Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then, then in 1994, you know, Rude Hullet and Mark Hughes joined Chelsea. So, you know, people say, oh, it's different now because we've got better players. Well, we had better players then. You know, we lost to Newcastle 3-0. We lost to Man United at home and we lost to Aston Villa 3-0 over Christmas. You know, it was only probably when Mourinho started that we started having good Decembers. Yeah, yeah. And the only blot on our copybook till then was Villas Palace. Yeah. Uh, other, other than that, you know, you know, Frank had a bad Christmas last year. He's had a bad one this year. It happens, guys. You know, so we've it's been tradition then. all the time, and JK's witnessed more of it than any of us. Yeah. Well, I mean, in my my analysis, there are there are. Hang on a second, JK. <laughs> well, hang on, hang on a minute. Uh, 2017, 2015, 2013 are the only seasons in the last ten years where we've been unbeaten. At Christmas, and when I say Christmas, that's four fixtures: the one just before Christmas, Boxing Day. It's either two before Christmas Day, you know, or, or two after. But yeah. it's usually about four fixtures in the Christmas period. There's only three out of those ten seasons when we're very, very good that we've actually been unbeaten. So there you go. On that really positive and uplifting note, I think it's time for a break. And when we come back, we've got loads and loads of emails to read out. We'll see you in a sec. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is uh, Stanford Chidge and the Chelsea Fancast with uh, Mark Meehan. Hello, Mr. Tony Glover. Good evening, and uh, the pin-up for Diana Hoop. Uh, and uh, last but by no means least, uh, the lovely uh, Christmas elf that is Jonathan Kidd. Hello, mate. All right. I'm all right, mate. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what 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 do we do now, J.K.? What what is it, uh, what is it time it's, for? Uh, it's time for emails, and it's uh, it's uh, Steve Rollo, and uh, Steve is uh, is. Uh, He's trying to explain why I was confused the other day, isn't he? Well, that would take a thesis, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you'd have to psychoanalyse me, Chief. I better lie down. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Steve Rollo, hi again. Ooh, ominous. Doesn't ref- doesn't reference any of us. Uh oh. Hope you had a great Christmas with lots of Australian wine. I will be. I write on Christmas Eve. Well, no, actually. Um, Jonathan expressed confusion regarding my email. Yes. Jonathan was incredibly forgiving about the fuck-up between Silver Zuma and Mr. Mendy in the dirty Leeds game, which resulted in their going ahead. His rant was a positive one. I don't think I ranted. I thought I just gave some positive response. In my opinion, and it's only my opinion, we know that, Steve, you were far too kind regarding their schoolboy errors. I run a team here called the Lennox Head Rainbow Sharks. We're a bunch of old chaps. Used to be all right. Now find chasing youngsters is a bit difficult for most of Sorry. We're in Division 7 or 6 or sometimes 5 because we still win sometimes. I will try to attach a photo. I'd love to see a photo, Steve, of the Lennox Head Rainbow 
sharks. Anyway, I get frustrated when a rainbow shark does what either Silver Zuma or the goalkeeper does. And this is far from sheep stations. I think that's an Australian joke of some kind. Our blue heroes should be constructively criticized. And this is part of what your our show does. I suppose following a team precludes us from being objective on many occasions. Well, it does. Oh dear! Isn't that you? You and my row, Tony, about West Ham. Very probably, very probably. However, the jury, my jury anyway, is out regarding Mr. Mendy. Mr. Silva has been a fine player. Whether he can continue to manage the players around him is still, in my honest opinion, to be determined. Zuma has proved far more consistent. This has coincided with Silva's introduction. And he is a fantastic header of the ball. Has that remarkable ability to hang. I'd have him in the Rainbow Sharks. He has not proved yet he can concentrate for 95 minutes. Jonathan, I love your rants, both positive and negative. I think, though, and this is, in my opinion, you may have gone off half-cocked. I'll read that again. You may have gone off half-cocked. I would love to be included in one of your WhatsApp groups if you would consider accepting opinion from elsewhere during our games. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want it, Steve. <laughs> Cheers. Down with the Arsenal. Have a super Christmas day, Steve. Steve it is. Well, what do we say about that, Chidge? I, well, I think it was very funny, actually. I laughed hugely when, <laughs> when I read it. Uh, dear old I've managed Rollo. to not make it funny, haven't I? No, 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 not at all. I think you, you did very well. I think... Uh, uh, I, I, well, I, 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 I liked it so much. I'm kind of considering allowing. No, I'm, I'm considering allowing Rollo into our Discord group. Uh, <laughs> usually, the criterion is is that you have to be a Patreon member, which means you have to give me money, or or you have to be in the Premier Predictions League. But uh, Rollo amused me so much with that, and I think he would be a splendid addition. So I, I, I don't, still don't quite get it. Have I? What have I? Have I done? Have I not I, been horrible? I, I, ca I can't even remember. No. Have, have I not been horried about them? Is that what it is? He, he, you're not concerned about his team being Division 7 or 6 or sometimes 5? No. suggesting that the Yo-Yo Club to me. Well, they are. Bag, <laughs> boing, boing Rollo's team, the Rainbow Sharks. Is that the problem? I should have, I should have been more... I should have been more rude about them. I don't know, I mate. I can't even remember what we were ranting about, but it doesn't matter. But it, uh, whatever it was, it piqued Rollo's interest and... Uh, made him write to us, which I think is very funny. Anyway, my like turn. Like my like turn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, Taya. Taya Schmertman. Th you're going to love this. This is just the, the bollocks, this email. Anyway, uh, hey, hey there, Chidge, Jonathan, and esteemed guests. I'm not sure if you'll recall it, but a while back, uh, Roynick the Gamer sent in an email talking about how his sister loves your podcast and has a crush on all of the presenters. Oh. Yeah, all of them, not just me. I know, strange but true. Um, well, I am said sister, and I decided to get around to actually writing in, thanks to his and your encouragement. I've been listening to the fancast for around a year, and I feel so much more connected to the club and everything Chelsea now. I've lived in Australia my entire life, and it's my dream to get to Stamford Bridge to watch a game someday. I can only imagine the incredible atmosphere and hearing all the chants and being able to cheer the Blues on in person and feeling that much more connected to the club. My family was in Europe a few years ago and I insisted we go to London so I could visit Stamford Bridge, though I had to make do with a stadium tour and buying a jersey since we were there during the off-season. 
Thanks to your podcast, though, I feel so much more in sync with everything Chelsea. I only started following Chelsea in 2017 and I've learnt so much about the history of the club from the 50 Years show and hearing about all of your guys' experiences and I really appreciate all of the time and effort you put into making such an amazing podcast. Since I said I started following Chelsea in 2017, I feel the need to explain how that came to be, came to be considering that was the year we last won the title. My family has Optus Sport, so we can stream all of the Premier League matches. And one day I was bored and started spending some time watching whatever replays were on. I've been playing football since I was five, but I'd never known much about professional football beyond the FIFA World Cup. So I went into watching these matches with no idea about any teams beyond the fact that Man United is overrated and suck. My favourite colour is blue, so I did find myself drawn to the teams with blue kits. But it was more than that that swayed me to Chelsea. I found yeah. myself watching Chelsea v Crystal Palace at the start of April, and even though we scored first, about 80 minutes was spent with it being 2-1 to Palace. That uh, reference our previous discussion. Um, and, so, and so as I'm sat there watching Chelsea completely dominating the game with chance after chance not going in or being saved by Hennessy, I found myself so frustrated because I knew Chelsea deserved to win. Some quits, quick stats. We had 72% possession. 24 shots and 11 shots on target, but only one goal. We were dominating and yet just couldn't get that equaliser and I felt for Chelsea. The icing on the cake was watching Hazard play. I loved him immediately and found his name and the French pronunciation amusing. I I actually read through his entire Wikipedia page because I wanted to know everything about him. From this game, I knew which club I wanted to follow because I just wanted Chelsea to win so badly. I didn't know they were top of the table until this initial love for them developed. So winning the title my first year as a Chelsea fan was just an added bonus, really. You're lucky, Taya. Some of us had to wait, you know, a lifetime. But anyway, I'll forgive you. Uh, I feel like this has been really long-winded, so I ought to wrap it up now. But I do want to say this. I'm fully behind Frank. I think he's building something here. And as he's doing it, he's gaining the experience he needs to be a better manager. And all the youth players he's brought through are getting better too. This team and all the youth is so exciting. And I really want to see what comes of it. And I don't expect Lampard to deliver a trophy this season, other, unlike some others I've heard. Yes, we brought in all this world-class talent, but with no pre-season, the ruthless frequency of games and Werner and Havertz in particular still needing time to adapt to the Premier League. I think we need more time to get to a level where we can be, for, be performing regularly. So I'll have higher expectations of them next season. On a different tangent, considering the dreadful time Hazard is having at Real Madrid, what do you guys reckon the chances of him returning to the bridge are? Personally, I'd love to see him back in blue as long as we don't become a one-man team again. But I wouldn't want anything to harm his legend status. Love you all and everything you do for fans like me around the world. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and hope you're keeping safe in these tough times. Keep the blue flag flying high. Taya, pronounced Taya. Uh, What a lovely email, Taya, and how lovely to hear from you. And uh, I wish you a Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year uh, to you too. Obviously, JK... Mark, Tony, and myself will be signing. Uh, will be sending you signed photographs of ourselves, sealed no, with a kiss. It, it worries me how easily she falls in love with people. She's I in know. love with Hazard as well. I, I worry about the fact that she's got exceptionally poor taste. But other than yeah. that, she's yes. very sound. Uh, to answer your question on Hazard, that's a good question, actually. I don't know if I'd have him back. Actually, I just I think you know once you're done, you're done, really. But maybe I'm just an old curmudgeon. J.K. Well, Osgood came back and he was useless. Yeah, um, but he was he was 
past it anyway. Um, I'd have him back. Um, he just have to integrate him somehow. Certainly, I don't know what he's doing at Madrid at the moment. He plays left wing. He's injured. No, 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 as well as that. I mean, but he just, oh, yeah. when he does play, he, he just sticks rigidly to being, um, being yeah. a winger. And you think, no, no, he should be running the whole team. He's, he's yeah. that good. So yeah. I don't know why he went, but what did he go for? Just to, I don't Glory, know. money. Yeah, glory. Uh, ambition. Yeah. yeah. But I'm with you, JK. I'd have him back. Missing I would. Point, really. I'd have I him back. He's a phenomenal, yeah. probably, yeah. Said before the best, best On the other hand, Costa, Costa, who is available on a free, is apparently, according to Twitter, coming back to the bridge. No. I wouldn't have him. That... <laughs> Bloke went missing I think, in the second him, half of the I'll last two him, seasons I'll, he was there. He asked yeah. to leave to go to China three he times. I know, because he did. He I took know. a private text from the manager and made it public. Yes, yes. And he came back, I think, after his first season, a stone overweight, didn't he? Yes, yes. So, no, no, no. disastrous. No, no, but I think he, he suits Arsenal perfectly then. Yeah, yeah. He can yeah. have a punch up with Louise there. Yeah, he would. You know, yes, he will. No, they'll be great mates, won't they? But they'll all just do their own thing. Great, great email. Great email. Yeah. Taya Schmertman. Taya Schmertman, the uh, sister of Rionic the Gamer. Yeah. Wow. So unless Mark wants to chip in, you're that you're up next, Jacob. Mark. I, no, I think that I, 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 the only thing I'd say, yeah, about Hazard, as much as I'd love to see him back, I just can't see it happening. Nah. Yeah. Nah, no, I, I, I don't think I'm. Yeah. Blame the so came back successfully though. Oh, he was great. Yeah. Packers. Yeah. Yeah, Spackers. Well, yeah, Spackers was better, but he had a back injury all the time, so that was yeah. a trouble. It, it yeah, can happen. Few players that have come back and been success second time around. Yeah, yeah but yeah, Spackers was good when he came back. He was brilliant in the Austria Vienna game and the Bruges game. How is he, oh. by the way? He's fine. I, I, I messaged him just before Christmas. Heard from him, so obviously we're in tier four lockdown. You know, I had a coffee with him just before we went into lockdown. So he said, hopefully we'll catch up in the new year when things get back to normal. Yeah, but he was in good good form. Yeah. Do wish him our best uh, for. Well, I hope he had a great Christmas and wish him our best for the new year when you speak to him no, next no, month. We'll, we'll do. Keep saying that. Come on, come yeah, on the show. Yeah, yeah. Keep saying it to is, I mean, is he is he is he capable of zooming? I don't, I don't know whether you know, yeah he'd be incapable because he he does all his TV stuff now for um who's it a BT Sport I think he does sort of like the German football for them or something so you know he's not actually going out to Germany to watch the game so. You know, I don't know whether he's doing it from home and doing it on Zoom or he's actually going down. I think he might be going down to the studio in Stratford. But, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try again in the new year. Yeah. I think, yeah, it'd be great to have him on. Yeah, yeah. I, I love him. Great, great, very... I mean, I know he's getting he was getting stick recently, wasn't he, about the, uh, you know, them changing the, the signage. I can't understand why. It's just because, you know, people are so sensitive. Oh, it's because he loves Liverpool. I love Spackers, and I've met him a few times. He's a brilliant bloke. And I tell you what, he's got a good analytic... Um, head oh, he on his manager. He was a very decent yeah. manager. Um, it was it. Who was he managing? Sheffield yeah, United and Millwall. Yeah. And he had a he had a bust up over something, nothing to yeah. do with football, if I remember rightly. But um, he also had a fantastic right hand because he hit Keown rather beautifully in the face. <laughs> so, yeah, we still got to do that on the fifty years of Chelsea. We yeah, done yeah well, we, we we must we must try and figure out. You know, another. I, I did promise you when I got this couple of weeks off, I'd figure out a new schedule. My tr- my trouble at the moment is my weeks are so stacked. It might have to be a Saturday morning gig or something. You know, I don't know how you will feel about that. We're doing that. the Saturday morning gig anyway for Australia. Oh, well, we've got to do that too. Yeah. Well, maybe that'll set the ball rolling. Yeah. I'll apply the mighty brain to it. Anyway, JK, we've got uh, a Paul Marjoram, which is a, this is a lovely email. This will warm the cockles of your heart. Chidge Jonathan et al. 
no one called Al here, Paul. <laughs> um, I'm sure there'll be lots of negativity and concern in the mailbag this week, not without cause, but I want to take this opportunity to strike a different and more important note. In this year of all years, we've each had to enjoy small pleasures wherever we can find them. Each week, I and many, many others look forward to the latest edition of the Fancast and the weekly insight into the club and its supporters that it provides. It's something you guys do for love rather than money. And so, as one of the many anonymous listeners out there, you're not anonymous, Paul, we know you. I want to take this moment to remember to thank all of you, and particularly Chidge and Jonathan, oh, Paul, for the selfless effort and hard work that make it all possible. Yes, it sucks when we lose, particularly to the arse, but it's still an enormous pleasure just you to could, be able to You could watch. say it sucks yeah. arse. Or, or not. But it's still an enormous pleasure just to be able to watch and enjoy soccer. and uh, Football, actually. Football, football. And enjoy the sense of community created by this podcast as a small respite from the pain and solitude that this year has brought to so many. So very sincere thanks to each and every one of you for all your efforts. Let's all remember how lucky we are to be able to partake in this in whichever, whatever way we do each week. I'm sorry I cocked that last sentence up. I'll say it again. Let's all remember how lucky we are to be able to partake in this in whatever way we do each week. Let's hope 2021 is better for everyone, except possibly for the arse, Dean Saunders, David Ellery and Billy Bremner. God rest his soul. <laughs> Cheers, Paul. Well, I think, I think I lovely listen at the end. I think we could add about another 25 to that. Bremley's year's not going to get any worse, is it? No, true enough. <laughs> um, but there you go. Brilliant, brilliant email, Paul. By the way, has anybody seen that documentary on, on Dennis Law? Yes, I saw it, yes. Lawman, really yeah. good. Fantastic, yeah. wasn't it, actually? Fantastic. Yes. Except the poor man can't remember anything. No, no, he Dennis has not uh, not got dementia from what I can see. I think his memory was pretty good in, in, in the... Uh, in the dock, it may not be the case. Do you know what? I do you know my my, my first kind of real memory of Dennis Law because I am so much considerably younger than all of you uh, was listening to radio. It would have been Radio Two in those days. He used to be the 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 kind of the you know the the ex pro summarizer co commentator for to Brian Butler and Peter Jones. And I always he was brilliant at that. Do you remember that anybody? Mark? Very vaguely. My my abiding memory That's the first abiding memory I've got. The back heel that but he never But It's not right. true. Anyway, we've got one from John Yates here, which is a cracker. Hello, chaps. And by the way, why have I got all the long ones this week? I've really not organised this properly at all, JK. You gave me the first one because it was specifically about me, but you've now. No, you always foul. get the first one. It's just the way they've come in, mate. No, but you gave me a shorter first one. They're normally bigger because no, no. it was dealing with me but you've now become hoist with your own patar. i have haven't i and, and by the way brian justman says i wasn't around yet but i'd have, I'd have taken greaves back good point mm. good point and he did try to come back but brian mears wouldn't put his hand in his pocket yes there you go. joe mears sorry joe mears what a terrible mistake that wouldn't was. pay three figures for him no Oh, well, six yeah. figures, I suppose, wasn't it, in those days? Anyway, right, John Yates. Hello, chaps. I finally got round to sending you a long overdue email. Growing up, in, growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, I grew up playing baseball, basketball, and American football. 
for whatever reason, I never had a real interest in football until I got older. I'm a relatively new supporter of Chelsea. At the age of 32, the first game I ever watched happened to be the 6-0 dismantling of Arsenal in 2014, one of my favourite games, uh, without knowing a thing about them other than that was that it was a damn fun team to watch. I just decided Chelsea would be my team. I jumped in headfirst to the history of the club and started to learn as much as I could. I quickly fell in love with the passion of the Chelsea community and the culture not the negative Twitter dick wagons that apparently know more about football than anyone, but the true supporters. I own a small business and regularly work uh, from home or on the road driving, so I naturally looked for podcasts to listen to as I work. After listening to the first Chelsea fancast, I was hooked. Uh, You all helped me learn more about the team and made me laugh my ass off at the same time. My wife and 10-year-old son have both become big supporters as well. We look forward to watching each match and schedule our days around it. We celebrate, laugh and get stupidly angry together and I love it. Our plan is to make it over and see the boys play, uh, boys in blue play at the bridge as soon as we can given the current state of the world. When that happens, the first round of bruise is on me. Hurrah! Uh, to quickly speak on the current goings on with the team, I'm typing this after the shit show that was the Arsenal game and it's likely the worst performance I've seen in my six short six years as a supporter. Well, John, as we proved not mm. half an hour ago... That simply is not true, but we love you anyway. Now, to be honest, I had a feeling we would not get a result from this game as Arsenal was desperate to get a win and their energy proved it. That, combined with the run of bad form we've been on, just didn't lend us uh, lend well for us uh, in this match. Even though we got the win against West Ham, the majority of the match was not good. All that being said, I'm still not worried about Frank and the team. Looking at it as a whole, Frank is still very... Uh, still a very young manager and the overall squad is young as well. They have to learn how to be that nasty, aggressive, step-on-your-throat type of squad that will uh, propel them to a title. Absolutely right. Uh, Much of that learning comes in times like these. Adversity always reveals true character. So how Frank and the team react to this run, and in particular the piss-poor showing against Arsenal, will tell us a lot. I personally believe the players were embarrassed by their by their performance and I expect to see a completely different looking team against Villa. If the players don't react and Frank doesn't make some needed changes, then we have something to worry about. Update. I'm finishing this email at half-time of the Villa game and so far we look much better than at any time in the last four games. Not perfect by any means, but encouraging. Energy levels are much better and it's clear our offence operates much smoother than, uh, than with two natural wingers. Very happy to see Hudson and Oi playing with such confidence. Let's hope we show up strongly in the second half and find a few more goals. Uh, sorry, I've rambled on, but again, I very much appreciate what you lads do and thank you for informing and entertaining, entertaining me on a weekly basis. It's a pleasure to be, to be part of such an amazing community. I couldn't be happier that I happened to watch that game six years ago and decide Chelsea was my team. Stay well and up the Chelsea. Best regards, John Yates. Now, I have to say... I mean, the emails we get in prove indefatigably for me. Isn't it interesting that their views seem to concord so closely with our own and with all the, you know, there's all this kind of talk we often have. Well, you know, all the all the, all the, all the uh, match-going fans are 100% behind Sir Frank Lampard. It's just those pillocks on Twitter. But actually, all the emails we get from people who listen to this show, as I said, they concord with our own views and they all seem really intelligent and, and, and you know, very, you know, 
got their heads screwed on proper. It's fantastic. Uh, now, the other thing I was going to pick up from that is something we didn't talk about earlier on, which is very remiss. I thought Hudson and Doyle played oh, really well. Absolutely. We absolutely. didn't say so, did we, JK? No, we should have done it. Yeah. it for me, that was his best game. Yeah. Stepped best up game. to the plate, didn't it? Those fantastic right-footed swervy passes from one side of the pitch to another, which was something that clearly he does, you know, in, in training, which was uh, brilliant. And But my one complaint still would be um, he's good at taking the player on him, but then passing, putting somebody in outside him. He has the ability to take players on and skin them. We know that. We've seen him do that. That's the next thing he has to bring back into his armoury. But that was the best half, I've, well, the best game I've seen him play. Yeah, for a while. I thought he, yeah, there were some performances under Sarri before he no, got no, injured. That, they yeah. were mostly in the Europa League and when you were playing yeah. pub sides. No, true so enough, true enough. No, it was really, really good. Tony, were you, you happy with Hudson and Doyle's performance? Very, and I think like all these, um, you get a serious injury that would have look, if that happened in 1975. His career would have probably been over. Um, he comes back, and it's getting it right up here. And Frank's Frank's been very good here, as, as he said. Mark said earlier about protecting Billy Gilmore. He's he's just feeding the rope out, isn't he? Bit by bit with some of these players. I think he tried that with Ruben Softer's cheek, and it didn't work. And hopefully, he'll get some. Confidence and swagger back at Fulham. Who knows? But Hudson Adoy, when he was being played, we loved it, didn't we? Yeah. He's one of our own. He was going to be our, he's one of our own sort of thing. And I'm glad to see that his his attitude seems to have lifted as well as his confidence. Up to it's very pleasing. He's he's another one. If if you had him and you know the youngsters that come through Gilmore and and, and Abraham and Reese James and fuck me, there are other teams out there that would be killing us to get that sort of productivity from their academy and trust it and see it grow under you know a bright young developing manager mark really good to see you know he came on in the arsenal game you know had a really good sort of second half deserved his place against villa you know justified you know being picked by lampard and clearly was our management man of the match the other night. You know, he's, he's had his sort of off moments, you know, but he's coming back from a difficult injury. And I think Lampard is, you know, like Billy Gilmore, is managing really well. And if he carries on like that, you know, he justifies his place in the team. Good luck to him. Yeah, really good to see. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's good to see. I, I think, you know, I thought what Frank said after the Arsenal game was really important. Because I, I get the feeling that Frank's sussing out that, you know, the, the key to management in in any sphere is is trying to get in, in inside the heads of the people that you employ, and you have to manage people as individuals. They're not homogenous, and I think I think he's recognising that that you have to be quite careful how you know you've got a, a bit of carrot and a bit of stick with the likes of Hudson Adore. And I thought it was really clever of him to say he was brilliant against Arsenal in those last kind of fifteen twenty minutes. He's definitely starting against Villa because I think that would have made. Uh, Hudson Odoi, ten foot tall, yeah. you know, and that's 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 the trick. Yeah. yeah, J.K. We got an email from one of our favourites, Valky. Adam Valksack. Hi, chaps and chappers. Is... Oh, hello, hello, hello. Uh, oh, you Valky. are awful. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Everybody out there, that was a character from a show called The Dick Emery Show from 1970 something. 
Falky here with his Chelsea badge collection, which now rearranged will make the ladies swoon <laughs> post-lockdown. <laughs> I write this post-villa in an entertaining game, but one that left me seething, watching the sly eyebrow-waxing Grealish use every trick in the book to earn fouls throughout the game, which for me cancels out his undoubted talent he possesses. Yes, Falky. Yes, yes, yes. During the lead-up to the goal, a linesman standing five yards away from the ball missed a handball. Yes, he did. Too many phases afterwards for it to be rescinded before the opposition knowingly carried on play when Christensen was lying injured on the deck. I mean, no, I wouldn't. I, I, I don't think it was up to them to kick the ball out. I think that was... Uh, Head injuries only. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, the referee had played on, assuming he'd fouled Grealish. Absolutely right, he had, because of all the previous fouls. When on closer inspection, using the rewind button, one could see that Grealish... Um, I, I was, was a bloke at our school, he was called Graylish, but I digress. Deliberately moved his leg, yes, to make it appear been fouled. Yes, exactly my point. Yes, yes, yes. He was about to go down too in order to feign a broken leg. Yes, he was, when he suddenly realised his side was in an advantageous position. Yes, and the referee had obviously had, had played on. Ultimately led to an equaliser with no one covering Christensen's position. Well, we, we've talked about that. But yes, Falky, spot on old chum. But that is not the main reason I write to your excellent programme. Oh, that's a shame. I thought that would have been enough. You have so many great emails covering important topics. I usually feel there's no need to write something myself. Well, that's a terrible attitude to have, and I'm glad that you've, you've changed your mind. <laughs> I love Frank to pieces, but pre-match he claimed he only had two strikers to choose from, Tammy and Giroud. Ooh, am I the only one who thinks that's a strange thing to say? No, you're not. Surely at the beginning of the season, we assumed that with the new signings, we would have a midfield consisting of Kante, Mount, Havertz, and an attack that would have Pulisic, Werner, Ziyech, sorry, Ziyech slash CHO. As far as I'm concerned, such an attack would beautifully intertwine. Players would not necessarily be forced to play exactly in their roles, but play in an ad hoc style that would make opposition defences cack their pants. Yes, yes, yes. And it gives our Chelsea team more of a chance to play in their natural roles. Pulisic on the right wing, Werner on the left wing against... Uh, Pulisic on the right wing and Werner on the left wing against Arsenal was bloody strange. Well, yeah, that was my point earlier on. Having traditional strikers such as Tammy and Giroud up front is... Say this in a camp voice. Oh, don't tempt me. So last year, they've scored plenty of goals this season. But surely if we're to move the club, by the way, that he put that say this in a camp voice. I didn't add that. That's that's written in the email, by the way. Anybody thinking that I'd said it. I didn't say that anyway. So last year, I've said it again. They have scored plenty of goals this season. But surely if we're to move the club forward in key matches, we want attackers who aren't afraid to face defences and thread the ball through their feet while interacting with daintily footed fellow attackers who would create the one twos that would set up clear cut chances in the penalty area. You put a question mark after that. OK, I think we do. Uh, at least that was what I was expecting. And when we did make these changes in the 72nd minute, exclamation mark, we look world class in attack. Good point. Frank has made some brave calls this season. We shouldn't forget the majority of players we signed were either injured or not match fit. But the problem is we're getting to a stage where excuses may be thin on the ground for our manager. <gasps> Are you a Lampard out? Take some risks, Frank. 
we shall back you. Most of us want to see goals and don't mind us conceding as long as we win the, win the vast majority of matches. Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? What do you guys think of Pulisic, Werner, CHO as our front three, with Werner playing a more central, traditional striker's role? Well, when ZH comes back, then will CHO get in at all? There's the question, Valky. Keep up the hard work. Adam, we, there's no hard work done. Chidge is the only one who doesn't need work. We just come on and, and waffle. <laughs> That's Keep what up. you think. <laughs> Adam <laughs> Valky, theleftback.co.uk. Go there, go there. Theleftback.co.uk. Fab email, Valky. Very yeah. good. Indeed. Very good. Lovely. Who's the chap S, though? Hi, chap. Well, I don't know. I think he was hedging his bets whether Alex oh, might be on the Alex show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I always love hearing from Valky. He's a, he's a really lovely chap. I've had the pleasure of meeting him at the CFC UK stall uh, many, many times. Um, he raises a very interesting point, as do you, JK. I think you're right. When Ziyech is fit, then Hudson and Doyle probably won't start. But I, I do think he has to try and start. He ha- I mean, look, we both know, we all know that um, Timo Werner. Uh, played both and and also for Germany played both on the left and and in the middle. I mean, when I, when I say play on the left, I think he's more of an inside forward than a winger. Um, but he can play there. We know that he's up for playing there because Frank yeah. said that he's up for playing there. But I I do think, I do think that we really need to try him centrally. You know, I mean, it's a it's a very difficult conundrum, isn't it? Because you know you do want players to play regularly to get some consistency you know you the, the front the front players need as much time working out where their runs are going to be and how to play together as the defense do organizationally but i think if you can get away with rotating at all this year is the year to do it given given the fatigue that a lot of them might face so you know except you've got three strikers maybe play horses for courses you know, but maybe when you've got all the wingers fit, and I think that's kind of forced Frank's hand to an extent, when you've got the wingers fit, when when the whole team is fit, I still firmly believe that our best 11, the front three, is Pulisic on the left, Werner in the middle, Ziyech on the right. So there we go. Mark? That would be our best front three, but we haven't had many opportunities to see that this year. Um, and I think with squad rotation, there'll still be plenty of opportunities for Callan Hudson Odoi, you know, to play, you know, game time between now and the end of the season. But you know, Falcon makes a good point. Yeah, you know, I'd play Werner down the middle as well. Mm. Tony, <laughs> there is a the conundrum here, of course, is that our two top scorers this season are Giroud and Tammy Abraham, aren't they? Well, indeed. Um, so that's why Frank gets paid the big bucks, mate. Yeah, so I, what would you do with him? I think if we accept that Giroud's probably in his last season with us, um, and then you've got a conventional kind of uh, slightly more bigger bustling striker in Tammy Abraham, um, alongside actually, uh, alongside Werner. Sorry, so I think it could work. But my worry is just that you know our best strikers have always been those ones who are out and out strikers. Aren't they? So Diego, Diego, how about well Diego Costa when he was could be bothered to turn up and Didier Drogba. Um, need I say more? So I think it's it's a decision. I'm I'm abstaining. I'm, <laughs> Fair I'm, enough. I'm going down the no deal route on this one. <laughs> Do you want to call a friend? Yes, I think I might have to call a friend. 
it's a tough one. I, I, I really, really think Werner, when he gets into his stride, when he's when he's when the frustration levels drop, will be a, a, an absolute dynamo, a phenomenon. Um, and I think he'll be able to play across either positions or whatever. So, um, you know, we've. That my, the, the problem position I've got is is Hudson Adoyle's Ajax, and you could rotate them. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? And one of the things that we haven't discussed, J.K., which is probably worth a very quick natter about, is you know when Frank switched to four three three, it really, really worked because he had the players available to play that system. But if you don't have the players available to play that system, then why why stick rigidly with that system? Why don't you change the system to accommodate the players that you've got fit? Well, I'm, that's one of the complaints people have got about Frank, isn't it? That he doesn't tactically change it very much. Um, other managers can... He has done in the past. Well, he hasn't in, in game as well. He hasn't recently, though, has he? No. Which uh, has been a conundrum. Um uh, you wonder why he, he hasn't played um, Werner with Giroud on occasions, or uh... no? He has done that; it didn't work, but not as a, not as a two up front. No, no, I was meaning a two up front. Yeah, whether you mm. play, but whether that that he worked out, they don't complement each other. Um, uh, I think, as I was saying, the, um, the 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 Werner problem is that when he plays with my my, my mate from Notting Hill in Germany was saying that he the the um, the game is normally built around him more. And I wonder whether there's more long ball being played for Werner to run onto, which he's absolutely fantastic at, which we're not seeing anything at all, whether he's being excluded by being, um, whether he fit not excluded, whether he's being restricted by playing um, uh, as a winger um, against these top-notch Premier League defences, which he wasn't experiencing in Germany and whether he needs some way of being liberated so he can use his pace and ability to get on the ball and then just just make players toast, which he's so good at. Mm. But that he needs to have a shot that goes with it at the moment. he's The one shot he had, which was a decent... There were two chances he had, actually, in the game um, the other day against Villa, and uh, the first one he didn't take, and the second one he hit over when, in actual fact, um, previous Werner would have netted. So there's obviously he's just um, he's, he's in a rough patch of form, isn't and, he? Basically, yeah, very much so. And he'll yeah. come out of that because class is permanent, form is temporary. Right. Yeah. Last email of the week is uh, from Lawrence Barnes or Loz Barnes, who's actually in Mixler as we speak. Loz, nice to see you in there, mate, and thanks for the emails. It's morning, chaps. Uh, I look to start my fiftieth anniversary year of supporting the Blues in the middle of a pandemic that looks like it has has legs. We never expected that my role, like yours, is to help the mental health of our fan base. So, as we see another fresh wave of Sack Lampard tweets, uh, I wanted to rant... Uh, that, that went a bit Alan Rickman then, didn't it? <laughs> it did. It did. That's very Christmassy. Uh, so, as we see another fresh wave of Sack Lampard tweets, uh, I wanted to rant a little and maybe help a young fan who doesn't know better to know some of the facts of being a Chelsea supporter. Of course, they're all young around me, bar the chaps in the Chelsea pensioner section. One, the press doesn't like us. Most of us realise only negative Chelsea stories make it to the press. Thus, it has always been. So don't believe what they write. It is, for the most part, bollocks. True. Uh, In Roman, we trust. Honestly, the man changed my club and my life. We have an owner that, for the most part, has loved Chelsea and brought success to a lad 
going in the Bovril gate and on a good week paying 50p to transfer to the West Ham benches, never thought possible. Three, if you think Werner having a dry spell or a few poor results is a cause to scream for Frank's head, let me point out what it used to look like. Playing in the Championship, to use today's title, and struggling there. Away days to Cardiff and getting beat were never fun. We had cult heroes like Mickey Droy, for cult heroes read not very good. The idea, as a kid, I would see Zola, Hazard and Ziyech play in that blue shirt seemed as likely as us winning a title. Just once at that point. That title took 33 years of my life to see. A Champions League took 49. Look at the amount of silver... Uh, we have seen in the last 20 years and be thankful. You could support Spurs. Four, football Twitter and YouTube are cesspools of clickbait and negativity. Sure, I watch some, but like AFTV, they thrive on negative campaigns and it ain't helped Arsenal fans' sanity. Five, football is a game played by humans to entertain humans. Yes, it's tribal. Yes, it's in my blood. Yes, I scream at the TV. Always fun on a Canadian boozer. Yes, it can ruin a weekend when we don't show up at Arsenal. But the next victory, the next special goal, the next great wonder kid ain't far away. And it will look different in a fortnight. Perspective is everything. Six. Positivity is good for any supporter, but especially a Chelsea one. After all these years, I saw the Arsenal result coming. Bet hand on heart, you did as well. Absolutely true, Loz. To coin our own shirt campaigns, it's a Chelsea thing. And you know what? After all these years, I wouldn't have it any other way. So for 2021, I wish us all a year of health, happiness and perspective, while Frank builds a team that will match his legend status and be the next great one. Keep the blue flag flying high. Laws Barnes. What do you think of that, gents? Um, it, it, it doesn't help me referring back to times when we were shit. It just makes me feel depressed. Oh, so, uh, you've yeah. not helped his mental health, Laws. Sorry, he wants a refund. Yeah, could you could can you rewrite the mail and send it, please, <laughs> Mark? Oh, what a great email! Perspective is everything. It is, isn't it? It's all part of the. It's all part of the Chelsea psychology. You know. Win some, we lose some, but hopefully we'll win more than we lose. Yeah. And again, you know, in two weeks' time, you know, when we're back playing football again, God willing, if the pandemic doesn't doesn't do for us, you know, we start an FA Cup run, you know, four months' time, you know, we could have a trophy at the end of the season. Absolutely right. <clears throat> Tony. I, I I loved every word of it. Um, I think in a year when um the Bill Shankly um you know, football is more important than life or death. Was just confirmed as being the biggest load of old bollocks, and it's ever come out of any manager's <laughs> mouth. Um, uh, you know, when we've seen fans that we know who won't be back in the ground ever yeah, again, definitely. Um, people have suffered personal loss um, through the pandemic. Um, I think a lot of what he says at the bottom perspective um, is exactly what. I've got from from all of this, um, and and I've definitely mellowed over the years, and, and definitely learnt that you just can't get into a Twitter fight because you can't win. Um, people don't give a shit about facts. Um, everything's based on emotions, so don't even bother trying to fight them. Um, and, and and just get on. And if you win, enjoy it. If you lose, go and have a pint. Yeah, definitely good advice. Win or lose, we're on the booze, as we always used to say. Uh, Loz, Absolutely. up the blues. Up surely. the blues. No, well, apart from Jonathan. Win or lose, I'm on the cranberry yeah, yeah. juice. 
<laughs> doesn't quite have the same <laughs> ring. Doesn't have the same yeah, ring, really. It does doesn't have to be right. Yeah. What do you rhyme with juice? Win or win or win or wear a shirt that's puce. Win or lose. Go and have a snooze. Yeah, yeah, perfect. that's the yeah. one. That'll be that'll be good. Okay, well, we've got to go and have a snooze now because we've been waffling on for far too long. Uh, that is, in fact, all we've got time for this week. Uh, J.K., uh, Dane Whittle, and myself may be back on Friday on New Year's Day, but if we're not playing City on Sunday, I think we'll we'll scotch that one. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if whether or not Chelsea goes you know the Chelsea City game goes ahead we will be back next Monday we'll find something to talk about we always do and that'll be me JK Dean Mears and Alex Churchill um now as you surely know by now the Chelsea Fancast is available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com Acast Apple SoundCloud and Spotify as well as other podcast distributors uh talking of which you can find there's a brilliant app basically called CFC Blues, which has all the good Chelsea podcasts and some of the crap ones. No, there are no crap ones. I'm just joking. Uh, and it's a brilliant place to go and find all your Chelsea content. Uh, CFC Blues, this is how you get it here. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts, download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Uh, now, an, a massive shout out, uh, as always, to the lovely, lovely people who have signed up uh, and uh, decided that they're bonkers enough to contribute a little bit of money every month uh, to to the Chelsea Fancast at Patreon. Um, it's always greatly, greatly appreciated. If you if you get one in quick, you'll get a, a Kerry Dixon mini banner, so like a replica of the one that hangs in the Matthew Harding end. Um, which is a lovely thing. Of course, you also automatically get a link to our Discord group, which is a bit like a WhatsApp group. And I have to say, uh, the level of chat and the level of civility in there, even during shit matches like the Arsenal match, is how it should be. It's a complete antidote for Twitter. If if you haven't signed up or joined it yet, uh, which, as I said, you get you get to do that if you if you if you you know if you're a Patreon subscriber and if you're in the Prem Predictions League then you're missing out. It's well worth it, and it's great fun talking to some really lovely people in there, so you are welcome to join us. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast is where to go, Uh, and as I said, it's also a good place for a chat there as well, or you can get messages that you want to get read out and that kind of stuff. Talking the messages, if you want your email, Patreon or Instagram post, or tweet to be read out, then let me have it by the close of business uh, the day before the podcast, usually on a Monday, not this week, obviously. Uh, the email address is chelseafancast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at chelseafancast, me at Stanford Chiz, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, um, Tony at Grocer Jack UK, and Mark at Eddie Mac B A W A. And of course, uh, Facebook, Instagram, we're everywhere, man. We're everywhere. Just get on it. It's simple, isn't it? Now, um, one thing I would like to say uh, is it's been a very, very difficult year this year. For all of us personally, uh, some of us have lost, uh, you know, friends and relatives. Some of us have lost our jobs. It's been a fucking tough year, and I think it's going to be a tough 2021 for a while as well. So we all need to keep safe, and we all need to hunker down. But the most important thing is that we keep in touch with each other. Um, I miss. I can't even express how much I miss not seeing these reprobates. Every other week at Stamford Bridge and the cock or sneaking up to Aussies for a free cup of tea or a cappuccino with JK and a silly video 
or seeing Mark at the stall. I mean, it, it's it's like having your leg removed, and I miss it terribly. But it's bearable because we still have football going on, and it's bearable because we at least get to see each other every week doing this silly thing. And we laugh, and it makes me feel better, and I love you guys for it, and it's very, very important. So whatever you do, however you're feeling at the moment, you know, do keep in touch with people no matter how you do. It's really important that you do. And I have to say, on, on another note... I was totally overwhelmed by the huge... I put a little kind of message out on Twitter uh, just to say Happy Christmas, really, and thanks. We really appreciate the fact that you like what we do. And I was totally and utterly overwhelmed by the huge number of lovely, lovely comments from people saying how important the show is to them, how important the friendship that they found through us doing this show is, and basically just how much they appreciate us and what we do and I was totally humbled by that and I really really thank you all everybody who who wrote something on there from the bottom of my heart it really meant an awful lot I, I don't know if you caught up with those chaps did you see any of those JK yeah. yes yes I commented on a few you did yes it's very lovely isn't it yes it certainly is great. great yeah 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 very very humbled by that so thank you um so um you boys are, are very much part of that, and and I and I would like to thank you. It's been a tough year, but it has been a lot of fun doing the fancast this year uh, with you guys. J.K. obviously, who, who's been doing it with me for a long time. Tony, also for a long time, but especially Mark, who's been who I've known for a lot longer than he's been on the fancast, obviously. But I've got I've got to know him even better this year, and he's been such a huge, brilliant addition to it, and I'm very grateful. Uh, absolutely pleasure to be on the fancast tonight and throughout the year Chidge. you know it's something re- really look forward to yeah and i just sort of, sort of echo what you said i think people need to stay safe in 2021 it could be another difficult year we probably won't be back in Stamford bridge anytime no. soon so actually our way of you know watching chelsea will be as we are now we need to get behind our team get behind our manager it's you know it's easy to be a dick you know sometimes a lot harder to be nice to <laughs> I, I know that only too well mark <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. brilliant well mark you've been fantastic tonight and throughout the year as have you tony and th- i mean tony stepping in at the last minute above and beyond the call of duty Bravo. well done yeah Bravo. Well done, tony. yeah yeah we, yeah. l- we love you for that and well done on no, the podcast no, no 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 it was i you know i saw the message and i thought you know and i, I said to mrs t in the other room i said what are you doing tonight she said oh we're gonna watch that black narcissus i think catch up on that and i went yeah, mind if I do the fan casting because that just isn't going to be my bag. I know that. So, but yeah. always a pleasure in it because I think there's good stuff to talk about and you know a little bit of a flavour from the uh, from Pod and Shed ninety nine available at all good podcasts. So. I, as I said last week, Tony, I, I had I, I felt a bit of a I had a bit of imposter syndrome on that, but I really enjoyed doing it. But I felt a bit like Tom Petty doing this travelling Wilburys number. <laughs> If you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, very good. No, yeah, it was great fun. It was and great, fun. brilliant fun. Great, great conversation. Yeah, it has been well, well done, all you lot. Um, I think really it just means all I have left to say is, uh, on behalf of all of us at the Chelsea Fancast, uh, to everybody who listens, uh, have a very, very happy and healthy, very important, have a healthy New Year. So thank you ever so much for staying with us this year and listening every week as you do. See you next year. And uh, until then, keep it blue and keep it carefree and keep it chills. Up the chills!
der einzige Markt für das, was jetzt und in der Zukunft wertvoll ist. Die neuesten Sneakers, Kleidung, Elektronik, Sammlerstücke und vieles mehr. Alles hundertprozentig geprüft und authentisch. Mit StockX hast du Zugang zu Millionen von Produkten, die ausverkauft oder schwer zu finden sind. Und alle für den Preis, den sie wirklich wert sind. Denn wir alle sollten das kriegen, was wir gerne haben möchten. StockX – Zugang zu aktuellen Trends. Finde, was du brauchst auf StockX.com.